Welcome back to another episode of Out of the Blank Podcast. Lainey's back. Lainey, it's been about like two years. I think it was like episode 890-something since you were last on. Wow. It doesn't feel like two years, but yeah, I guess so. Because the passage of time is – it's definitely true that it moves quicker. They say as you get older, but I just feel like – I mean we're already in April right now. It just feels like it wasn't the new year not that long ago. Mm, I had so much hope back then. <laughs> you don't have hope now? 2023 has been a little bit of a dumpster fire so it's starting to even out but it's it was started off a little bit as a dumpster fire you feel like it's always the beginning of the year that's the worst and then it gets better towards later in the year i don't i don't really know that i think about it that much but last year was pretty pretty bad in general i had a there was a lot of a lot of death in my life last year so it was was a pretty bad year um I remember it started off really good, but it didn't end great. Um, and then this year, I was like, okay, I feel like that was a bad year. And I don't normally do the new year, new me shit, but it just felt like, like, give myself a chance to, like, start over in 2023 after a really bad 2022. And it wasn't bad. Let me be clear. Parts of it were really bad. Parts of it were really great, but it just, it was a tough year. It was an emotional year. Um, and that, you know, it was good for a lot of it, but it started to really wear on me at the end. And then I was just ready for a new start and like right out of the gate, it just work became insane. Like everything else became insane. Um, and then I just, in February, I signed a new lease on a new, on this place and um it's just been about like working like a shit ton trying to move trying to keep it together trying not to tell people what i really think of them yeah. <laughs> so it's just been like it's just been a lot and it's finally starting to come calm down like i'm finally i'm sort of not fully settled as you can see but like i'm here most of it's settled it's fun i'm kind of like decorating my new space and all that but um yeah so it's starting to calm down a little bit do you have anything that you want to accomplish anything new like i mean you but for everybody listening who doesn't know laney's been on the show in the past but there we had multiple conversations i think you've been on like four times but we started off the first one was talking about the salem witch trials which you know a lot about as well too still Um, working on it you're still working still working on it still working on it yeah this is you didn't i thought you dropped it completely no, okay. still working on it. Yeah, I dropped it for a little bit of time uh, just because things were busy and I didn't really have direction for a little while. So it felt like I wasn't going anywhere. And then um, I connected with a, a girl I know who's doing her PhD at Yale. And, you know, we've just, she kind of like helped me find a little bit more direction and a little bit more, you know, just, like avenues that I could walk down that were going to really be helpful rather than me just being trying to regurgitate the things that have already been said and like trying to find new angles and and I've been finding them and I haven't had as much time to dedicate to it in the last couple months as I want but I'm reading I'm you know I'm I'm still moving forward and I'm working on hopefully an article that will be I'm hoping to at least be writing it by the summer. Can I ask what 
like what's a new angle besides the history of the Salem witch trials? Um, I'm Does looking it involve pina coladas. Yes, absolutely. Um, they give you magical powers. I'm telling you. Yes, and then you get hung for being a witch. <laughs> I mean, look, I get persecuted basically for drinking a pina colada, so I'm not going to be upset with it. But I'm just saying, after three of them, you stop feeling pain. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um. No. So right now, I'm looking at the um. Just the generational conflict between the first generation of. Uh, colonial New England settlers and and their children and how those dynamics sort of informed at least specifically with Thomas Putnam who was like the most prolific like his family and him specifically were the most prolific accusers during the Salem witch trials um prolific is the right word right I think so (laughs) um and just his relationship to his father, to his society, like the the culture within which he was living, what dictated feeling like a success versus a failure and things like that. And how his family dynamic and his experiences sort of put him in a position to look for an enemy, you know, that he got once the accusation started so it's you know that's interesting but why the why witches though that's what i don't get it's like why would you choose if you could choose anybody i mean did a witch piss him off or hex him if it becomes like the movie thinner then i get it but if it's like okay i think it was um i think it was as simple as just the first like the first stages of it happened with um uh, the re- uh, the uh, oh god, I mean, we're forgetting the it's early and I haven't fully had coffee yet, but um, well, we got four hours so <laughs> with uh, the um, the pastor's daughter and his niece who were the first to be afflicted, and I think from there it was something that could have gone away really easily, or like one person would have been accused. But at that time, there were other accusations and there were other witch hunts and most people were not hung and most like it never really turned into what it turned into Salem. So um, it was like Salem was different for a lot of reasons. And that one of them was that once these first accusations kind of started then it started to snowball and really at the head of that snowball, you know, pushing it along was Thomas Putnam and his family. And there's a lot of, there are a lot of reasons why, and there are a lot of, you know, many layered, you know, things within his family, like his stepmother, there's like an evil stepmother's angle there. There's um, a sibling rivalry with his brother from the second marriage um, and the way that, the inheritance was split up and um and the fact that his wife was he felt cheated out of her inheritance as well and those are the things that like puritans put a lot of a lot of emphasis and i mean if you look at the religious right in the country today still put a lot of emphasis on um money equals success equals closeness to god 
you know, and that was just the way that they viewed it and his inability to get the piece of the pie that he felt was due him, you know, um, I think really informed how he, how he, I don't think he did it intentionally. I don't think he even realized what he was necessarily doing. I think, you know, I think we all know the person who like leads by ego at all times. And the second they have, a, no, not you, because you're not, I don't believe that you're the person who would ever be like, you know, yeah, like, let's get these people, you know, like, like the, I've been, I've been cheated. So other people must pay. And I certainly don't think you're the sort of person that would take it to the point where people were being killed over it. So the disguise is working. No, I'm just kidding. Yes, perfectly. Um, but that was the sort of, and like, we all know people like Thomas Putnam, like that, like kind of boisterous, what about me person, you know? And I, I mean, I don't know the man personally, but that's just the feeling I get everything I read about him. I just get this feeling that he was very much a what about me type person. So, and, uh, there's, there's some really funny stuff that, uh, his stepmother in her will pretty much left them nothing, you know, <laughs> but like she had like some really spicy wording in there at the end of her will to basically be like, you get nothing. <laughs> and, um, so that was part of it. And then there was the other part of it of how, you know, it really was about kind of like a larger scale control, um, of that second generation and just how they were treated and like through sermons, how ministers really kind of spoke of the second generation and technically Thomas Button was a third generation, but he was, he was and he, he was he would have been the age of the second generation puritans um and he when when his father came in he came in as an adult like he he came over here as an adult and he was given land as an adult so seemingly even though like his father was here and it makes thomas Putnam the third generation of puritans in this country it's still kind of overlaps him into that second generation role because of his age and because of the way that um his father was here so anyhow uh could i ask like if we split those topics down a little bit because i'm actually i'm interested in like where you where you i guess your mind would focus on because i know we, the first time we talked about like the we've talked a lot and i really enjoy having the conversation with you because we can just go wherever we want with all this um but when it comes to I mean, him, do you think it was a, a validation aspect because of his kind of, I, I, I mean, I could really analyze it down to maybe a bad impression of just women figures in general, which would be bringing it more towards like a, a feminist aspect of things of going after women on this. Do you think it's more of a Christian ideology type deal, which I would think would be a lot of that as well, too. Um, do you think it was more about after he started getting a praise of being a part of this movement that it just became the glorification for his ego. I mean, we see plenty of good smooth talking figures that end up leading a cult or something down the road. Um, people's temple or Jonestown is a good example of those head figures that ended up having a small group of being able to convince people that were just looking for something and then eventually take it down to the rabbit hole. I think 
even the newspapers, a lot of people don't even really know that it was a lot of people that died at Jonestown. It wasn't just like 20 people with bags on their heads and fresh Nikes that were sitting in a place. Oh, yeah, no. Jonestown was huge. 900-something people. And it's funny, the guy who tried to defend Lee Harvey Oswald and um, defend or be the lawyer for his him under his mother, um, Lee Harvey Oswald's mother, Margaret Oswald, hired a person named Mark Lane. And Mark Lane was at Jonestown when all those people were, which is like weird, like lines that get drawn. But to me, it's just interesting because you start finding super, I guess, figures that end up getting into places of power that end up abusing it. And you, it's like Walter Friedman, for example. I'm sorry if I'm drawing a lot of conclusions. I'm just trying to find correlations through history. Walter Friedman was the creator of the ice pick lobotomy. So eventually he's taking these things on tour and he's like in his little van giving people lobotomies and he did like 600 lobotomies in a day in the middle of new york now if you know what a lobotomy is it's sticking an ice pick in your eye and scrambling your front cortex so he was even on family vacations and then someone be like can you give my son a lobotomy he's like honey i have to go out and go give these people what they need and it's like he really enjoyed the ego side of things so i mean i'm sensing that out of what you're describing of this character so i i out of all the various angles you could tackle, which would you pick? I, I mean, I think you're thinking a little too large scale on him specifically, uh, because in the end, like these, these are not people who are like trying to gain fame or popularity. He's just someone who felt cheated out of what he thought he deserved in life. And he didn't know how to achieve it himself, partially because he was put in a position, you know, to have to depend on like inherited wealth was an important aspect of life at that time um and so he didn't know how to go out and make his own way and and do that because he wasn't really given the opportunity to do that um so i think it was really just like i don't think it was even a conscious thing i think it was just uh oh, this is why obviously I'm not getting ahead because, you know, there are witches. And, and I think it was also like a projection of um, like, oh, obviously my stepmother, you know, like, or at least subconsciously. And um, Nissenbaum and Boyer in the book, uh, Salem Possessed, they put this theory forward that essentially like he looked at a lot of the uh, accusations and the people that were accused as almost like a projection of his of his mother which um there isn't a ton of evidence but it's a really interesting theory and i'm sure played like psychologically i'm sure that played a role for sure but um i really just think it was opportunity knocked and like his i don't want to call it trauma but like I, I would have to call it trauma, like his trauma took over. Do you think that he actually believed that they were witches, though? Or do you think that it was just like a way, like you're saying, not really a chip on the shoulder, but kind of like the world's rigged out for me in the first place. So trying to find your little glimmer of whatever will get you to stardom. I mean, most people do. That. No, it's he just... believed it. Okay. They believed it. There's there's no doubt that they believed in what they were saying, because there was no reason not to like witchcraft was a very like magic at that time was very a very accepted reality right and so witchcraft was a very accepted reality you know whereas like now you meet someone they're like i'm a witch i'm like oh you have daddy issues i'm a witch give me your credit card i'm like damn she's right she can put a hex on me 
Right. And like living 40 minutes from Salem, Massachusetts, which isn't even like the correct Salem for most of this stuff. Um, everybody's like, oh my God, Salem, I go there because I'm a witch. And I'm like, oh, <laughs> Is that I know that I've seen Hubie Halloween where the whole town is like dressed up for Halloween on that aspect. And I get that's probably part of their history and they can really build their town on it. Kind of like Roswell, New Mexico, like the McDonald's is a UFO there. Like they capture on the whole aliens crashed here or did they type deal, which I mean sucks if you really look at like the historical value of stuff. Like, I mean, do you find that with like right if you were going to write a book or if you were going to talk about Salem, there has to be that community where there's people that actually care about it, but there's also people that are really trying to profit off of a lot of it as well too. Like I find that with the JFK stuff a lot, which really sucks because it's like you don't when someone goes, I have this document that'll show you this and they go, but you have to buy my book. I'm like, damn, man, like that how much is it? $60. Jeez. I can't have $60 to spend on a hundred page book. Yeah, no. Um, but I'm they sure definitely capitalize on it because Salem was kind of a dead town, you know, up until the seventies. And, you know, it started off as like the sister town of, or the sister city of Boston because it was a port town. Um, and it was, it had like as much like commerce and money and all that as Boston did at that time. Um, and then after the trials and all, you know, and history progressed and it just kind of became this like nowhere place. And in the seventies when Lori Cabot kind of landed in Salem, Mass and decided to I don't know, um, tell people that she was a witch and form a coven. And it kind of brought this mystique back from 1600s. And, you know, you cannot set foot in Salem in October. You know, it's it's just bonkers. Like, it's... So you've been there? Oh, yeah. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Does it feel like there's historical trauma there? Like there's kind of like something lingering in the air where you kind of feel it? Like if you ever go to a World War II battle site or anything like that, you just kind of feel the heaviness in the air? Not in, not really. Not in Salem, especially because Salem, it's so Danvers. So it was Salem Village, right? That the accusations broke out in and Salem Town was like... Salem Village was the farming area of Salem Town, and there's a whole lot that goes into why, you know, Salem Village was trying to form, establish its own township, and Salem Town would not allow them to go, and there was a very much a political struggle in that, and that actually didn't happen until much, much later, and it still, like, Salem Town still wouldn't let them out, and they eventually finally became Danvers. So if you are actually interested in seeing any portion of the Salem witch trials, like what exists today, you need to go to Danvers Mass. You don't go to Salem because outside of the jail, which isn't even there, it's a T station, it's a train station now, but um, it doesn't exist. You know, like there's nothing there, despite the fact that they have the memorial, which they did this memorial in the 90s um and they were like yeah we're doing this memorial we want to put these you know they did it like under this whole thing and it was super performative because they didn't even like touch on actual history they used a quote from the crucible 
as like Damn. like when when you kind of like at the edge of the memorial is like a huge quote from the crucible like um chiseled into the granite and i'm just like get the fuck out of here mm. like you know like this is bullshit and people will be like i went to the cemetery where they're buried i'm like witches aren't buried in cemeteries because it's consecrated ground like so they're not allowed to so you did not go there however if you drive 15 minutes that way and go to danvers you can visit rebecca nurse's house which is still there it's a museum now rebecca nurse was one of the accused witches that was hung during the witch trials and um you know the family cemetery is still back there and everyone believes that they haven't you know found her remains yet but everyone believes that she was buried there um i think i read something somewhere that john proctor was also buried there but um how does that name they, sound familiar he was also one of the witches that was hung john proctor. but he's also like the main character or one of the main characters in the crucible he's the guy who okay yeah um so he uh but in i forget what year they found the remains but george jacobs who was also one of the accused and executed witches his remains that they know they're his remains were found and they actually moved his remains to rebecca nurse's house so if you want to see a cemetery that actually has the accused and executed people there um you go to Danvers, you go to Rebecca Nurse's house. Actually, I lied. There is one significant portion of... Look, gas is almost $4. You got to give me some points here where I got to go. I can't be driving all around. Yeah, there is one spot in Salem, Mass, that is historically significant, and that's Proctor's Ledge, but nowhere near the town center, and it's literally behind a Walgreens. But they did try to make a memorial out of it. It's where It's where the hangings happened. And that that location wasn't fully discovered until 2017. Um, so they, yeah, but like nobody even goes there. Nobody even knows it's there. <laughs> you know, it's like the only truly historically significant area in all of Salem, Mass. But you know, as much as I like talking about myself, it's very interesting to see you be able to talk about something that you actually care about. I mean, would you call yourself a historian? I know that that word gets like they always people assimilate it with kind of phd programs and things of that sort to be a historian but i also think that there's public historians or citizen historians which are people that research the hell into a topic and they really got a lot more information than sometimes the people that are paid to go give tours and speaking engagements and things of that sort i mean i was called a historian for the jfk stuff i was called a historian for the fred hampton assassination They're not things that i'm a historian in i wouldn't want to call myself even a researcher but looking through all the documentation and kind of seeing a lot of severe issues on some certain things i definitely am a little bit knowledgeable to at least where i can beat somebody at trivia night if that opportunity ever arises that we get drawn into the subjects but you also know a lot about not only the salem witch trials but you know a lot about witchcraft in general i mean would you call yourself when i say witchcraft i mean the history not like the actual voodoo let me give you a spell type situation i didn't mean it like that i saw you yeah. give me that eye look i was like yeah. oh, shit, i said the wrong yeah. i'm like i have two crystals give me a break you really have two crystals <laughs> I do have two crystals, but yeah. They are cool looking, but I just... They I are know. cool, yeah. You could put them on the shelf in the back if you wanted. Yeah, they're in my bedroom. I don't know. I Whatever. They're just there. It's not a, like they're... Yes, they're look, nice. Look, if you don't look. own a gun, if somebody breaks in, you got a crystal. Just saying. Yeah. 
as my nephew says, they're my shiny rocks and they're fine, you know, like, um, but I don't put a lot of faith in them as far as what they are, but um, I, I would consider myself an independent researcher, um, which I guess falls into the, um, for a long time, I didn't pick up this research because I felt I wasn't legitimate enough to do so. And like I said, I, you know, I have had a friend who's kind of like helps like me find that direction and stuff. But she's, she said to me, she goes, I, it doesn't matter where it comes from. She's like, if your research is solid, you know, like there are plenty of independent research out, out there who aren't affiliated with universities who are still writing books and doing the research, you know, and using historical method and using, you know, the correct research methods to do so. You know, it's just, you can't just throw shit at a wall and see what sticks. You have to methodically do the research and, you know, as you read certain things, you know, it's, I mean, we all took like scientific method in, in grade school, right? So like you form a hypothesis, like my hypothesis is um, the intergenerational conflict that existed in the between the first and generation first generation and the subsequent generations in Puritan Massachusetts or Puritan New England informed Thomas Putnam's role within the Salem witch trials, right? That's a hypothesis. It doesn't necessarily mean it's true, but then I have to go disprove myself, you know, because to prove myself, I have to disprove myself. I have to go find things that will make me wrong and if I don't, and I put, gather enough information that, you know, it's still only a theory, I still don't really know what happened, you know, but I am putting something out there that's a complete book of knowledge saying, well, we know this, we know this, we know this, we know this, and it's not illogical to conclude that this is probably why, or this is probably what took place, you know, and not to like jump into a whole other topic, but like, that's the nature of critical thought, right? Like, like nowadays people are like, oh, think critically. And I'm like, all, you, all you're saying is if I don't agree with your point of view, then I'm dumb, you know? But like critical thought is I have a thought and I now have to go through the steps to disprove myself to even know if I'm right about that one thought, you know? And that's, that's the scientific method that you're supposed to use. And that's the research method that you're supposed to use when doing really any of this stuff. So, or anything, you know, like if I have a political opinion, I need to, I need to leave space for being wrong, you know? Well, I don't think you fit as an academic, not, that's not any slant towards you. That's actually a positive in your book, just because you tell it straight. You kind of like, I, I've noticed it. There's a very ivory tower syndrome with academics, which I just don't like, which is they kind of look down at you when they kind of talk sometimes, at least from some that I've come across. Like if you don't know a certain thing, they'll immediately start kind of being like, well, you don't know this because of this or they'll turn on you. Sometimes I'm in a conversation about something. And if I have a different thought or perspective on something, even though it might be a question, they just flip it around and they just go, oh, and they get like immediately like rejected from me, which is like, you don't agree with me. So you're not on my team. It's like, that's not what this is about. I just, for me, I'm, I think since we last talked, I've been more down a historical rabbit hole, which is trying to understand more of the sixties, the seventies, trying to understand the cold war, more intelligence operations, even with agencies as well too. Cause I'm like, there's a lot of issues that we can start talking about. Yeah. And it's, it's fascinating to me. Like, I, I'm not going to be the type that goes and, 
you know, tries to sabotage anybody about it. But I kind of look at it like I had a friend that got his house raided by the FBI. Now, if you look at his first episode and then the eight months until he came back on again to talk about it, month after we're talking about Area 51, he's just like, yeah, there's a lot of cool spycraft stuff there. And he lives right by it. So he's taking photos. Now, his website, very conspiratorial. I mean, I, it, it's not conspiracy, but it looks like it. Like when you click on it, you're like, holy shit, who the hell's this guy? Like it seems like a prepper a little bit. Um, but if you talk to him, he's like, there's no UFO stuff there. Just really cool government tech. And then he got his house raided and he, they destroyed like $30,000 worth of his stuff. And then he has right because no he people. told the real truth, right? Yeah. Like so, they don't they want you to believe that they're housing aliens there, and that's like the good conspiracy to believe because government tech. Now you just told them where to go find it, you know. So and he's got, I mean, he had everything from their radio uh, frequencies and words that they would use, like use card A, and on card A would have this type of written. He has all that stuff. Really great guy. But then afterwards, he's coming on. He's like, I don't. I didn't know that they could, I was a patriot, but they could do this to me. And I was like, that's the thing is like, it's like with YouTube policy, YouTube leaves an open door so they can flag you on anything. And they don't really have to tell you exactly what they flagged you for. It's just stuff that they seem is like, they don't like, like I could talk trash on YouTube, even though I'm on their platform, but it, if they don't like it, they can just take it off, which is their right to do so. But also because right, it's, it's a private company in the end, like, and that's people have so many opinions on like, Oh, Facebook, this or Facebook. I'm like, it's a private company. So if Mark Zuckerberg doesn't want you talking about something, it's his platform. You don't like it, don't do it. Be honest. People are only on Facebook to check up if somebody died or not. Come on. Yeah, I I I I just go on there for like birthdays when I see judge people I don't like mostly on Facebook, but <laughs> I usually just go on Facebook to be like, okay, birthday, happy birthday. And then I type it and they're like, thank you. I'm like, hey, look. It takes two seconds to wish somebody a happy birthday. If you don't want to wish them a happy birthday, then why are you guys friends on Facebook? You know what I'm saying? My rule on Facebook is if your birthday comes around and I don't want to wish you a happy birthday, I just remove you from my friend list. Damn. Well, we're still I'm, friends, so that's a good sign. I'm, I'm cutthroat. <laughs> I just – I can't do social media anymore. There's too much input and not – I feel like not enough output. Like I'm not doing enough to match the stuff that's coming in. So then I just stop using my social media. Plus, if you get addicted to where you're refreshing your follower count and stuff of that sort, I'm like, that's a little bit. No, I don't want to play the game. And they're like, well, if you don't play the game, you won't succeed. I'm like, shit. Well, guess what? It looks like I ain't playing the game. I'm just going to drink a pina colada and start painting my ass off. And that's how I want to live the rest of my life. Yeah, I am. Um, I really like took a huge step back from Facebook, all, all social media. I really just don't have anything to say that's for public consumption anymore, you know, or like what I do have to say, I, I want it to be, I want it to have weight, you know, and like, if I have something to say for public consumption, it's, it's about what we're talking about here, you know, and like my personal life at the end of the day is, it's boring. <laughs> you know, like I'm not that interesting a person. I think you, you are. know, on a database. Well, thank you. I appreciate that. But like on a day-to-day -day basis, I'm, I get up, I go to work, I like hang out with my dog, I hang out with my horse and like I watch shitty television and go to bed. Like it's not. Isn't that most Americans though? Like I feel right. like. That's most people, but yeah. like people expect you. And especially if you're living your life on social media, people expect you to have like show interesting stuff. And I'm, I'm just, I'm not that interesting on a regular basis. Like I need you know, and it's too much work to try to be interesting on a regular basis. So frankly, I just don't give a shit. I'm just like, you know what? 
you don't get a window into my life. I think that witchcraft stuff or just the history of what do you, what would you call it? So I can actually say it right. Uh, the history of witch trials. Okay. The history of witch trials. I think that's pretty interesting. I mean, if you're going home Super and you're interesting. Yeah. If you're funneling your research into that, that's much like anybody I see do something now. I mean, if you're posting something on social media, you're posting all the time on social media, I would consider you're not really happy. I would just consider you trying to impress people. It's kind of like when you see a photo of someone and they like take a photo, but they have a beer in their hand and they kind of show it like drinking a course, like, Hey guys, I'm partying out. Like you're being a part of, it's a ritual. That's what it is. Okay. I'm going to straight up say it. It's a hundred percent a ritual. Um, it has not changed. We are exactly like how we were back in the ancient times with witches and everything like that. It's just all a new modern day form. And I will make that statement and we can debate. Oh, about absolutely. It. Okay. People don't change that. Like humans haven't evolved in 10,000 years. And behavior is not evolving, you know, like people are like, we're evolving, you should be evolving. And I'm like, no, human beings are human beings, you know, like behavior is one thing, but like, you think you're behaviouring your way into like, evolution, and that's not the way it works. Like, what works is, you know, abnormalities and like an adaptation, like, it's very clear, science is very clear on a evolution, right? So like something is going to change dramatically with our physicality that makes us more adaptable to our environment. And that's the next generation of like human or hominid, you know, but it's not like Wait, you think evolution do yoga is real? three times a week. Absolutely. What? I mean, I I I was an archaeology major. I helped like by the, the hand of god no, I'm kidding. yeah like I'm when sorry. you hold the actual skulls of like early hominids yeah it's I all fake it's all propaganda from the government oh okay i'm kidding all right. i have friends that usually when we get into these types of discussions i hear like my buddy's a power oh he's an ex-power ranger but um he believes like flat earth and I love talking to him because it's always fun because I'm like, damn, how many space podcasts do I have to do that you won't listen to? And it's Wait, like, I, here's what I don't understand about flat earth. People, oh God, right? please don't. I don't want that community okay. coming after me. No, give him my number. It's fine. <laughs> okay. We have actual evidence that the moon is round. False claims. Oh, right. Because it happened in a studio. Right. Okay, we have like you can empirically look up at the moon and see that it's a sphere. Okay. Right, which is why we have moon phases because it turns, right? It's not, I don't even have to be a scientist to understand that. It's, I look up at the sky and it's big and then it's small and then it's, it does things, right? Because the sun moves, we move. So how can you look at just the most basic logic and just go, everything else must be round? And maybe this is what I don't understand about flat earth people, because is it just the earth that's flat or is everything flat? Because if you're thinking everything is flat, then you're just really not paying attention. But also like, if just the earth is flat, then why? Like, why? <laughs> It's, I think it comes from lying. Like, I will say this. Uh, I, I try my best to find, I don't believe flat earth at all. I agree with you 100%. But 
I try my best to understand the opposite perspective. And I have been on a space podcast with like an astrophysicist, a radio astronomer, an exoplanet scientist, all these people. And I openly told them, I don't believe we landed on the moon when we said we landed on the moon. That's my one thing. I, do, I think you can put a lot of weight in evidence and it's just a fun thing for me. But I say like, I mean, we were losing everything during the Cold War. I've heard Kennedy's speeches saying we've become a country that cannot recognize the country from two decades ago. We need to start focusing on space where the Russians are beating us. We need to focus on this type of stuff. And at that point, I think if you faked it, I do think we landed there. I just don't think when we said we did. And everyone kind of goes, oh, okay, what's it? And it turns into a controversial thing. But I just go, the reason why you have flat earthers is because originally when NASA took photos of the earth, they happened to Photoshop it a little bit to add clouds in to make it look more appealing for public press to be able to display images. Well, already there, you're photo manipulating and you're not showing the real stuff. And well, even if it's real, if you just added something for a magazine cover type deal, it's going to have people that conspiracy start to break through because people feel like you're lying to them. What else could you lie about? What else could you manipulate? And then it opens up the what if type scenarios in everything in history. You're going to have people that are not going to believe certain things. That's fine. I've understood that with conspiracy stuff. My issue is, is that like when there's real like manipulation of stuff, when there's real lying and then you get like there's a guy on there who does flat earth videos and he shows you the like a bunch of pictures that look all look like different planets and stuff like that. And really, it's just the bottom of a frying pan, but you, they burn different parts of it and it starts. It looks crazy, but when he lines it up, I look at it, I go, yeah, see, this is where this stuff starts to come through. I don't believe that at all. I definitely believe the earth is round, but you start entering discussions where you start listening to how people are thinking about things. A lot of it starts from just original lies and original stuff. And even if it's a white lie, but it's kind of where we've gone in society. Like there's um, what I try to relate it to is like if you look at how every president happens to be like a Christian man and like why do we still need those check boxes of like why can't we have an atheist president? Like why does it always have to be these type of notions that we go after? And you even look at like the presidential aspect of performative speaker, and then you hear all these scandals that end up happening. I mean, Kennedy, you can look up his audio tapes and stuff like that. He curses and says the F word. And like people are like yeah. aghasted by He's it. He's a real person. Exactly. That's what I'm saying is that there's a large disconnect with people where they go like they're not real people. They're still a person. But we just have these notions of like they're a presidential figure. They never do wrong. They never do this. And like we got to accept that everyone comes with flaws. It's like why people call me a pessimist is because I just believe that people that are insanely bad can also be insanely good. It just depends on the kind of day. And you end up becoming like I was a critic of. J. Edgar Hoover. And then I'm also, I look at him like, I'd also have to know who the guy is. I mean, he did COINTELPRO, which was like one of the worst things ever. And then, I mean, did a bunch of stuff, but I'm like, also, I got to meet the guy. I mean, I've read accounts from people that were friends of his that he treated, he was the great guy to be with joking all the time. Not the one I remember through the government history side of things. So it's like, I'm not that conspiracy stuff, but everyone's got a really good sales pitch. Yeah, and especially if you believe like what's been said about J. Edgar Hoover, which has been multiple times. I got the photos of him in a dress. Yeah, that he was gay and a cross-dresser and all that stuff. I mean, he lived with a man exclusively for and many, many years. Whenever, whenever I say that, people go, and what's wrong with him being gay? And I go, it's not that he's Absolutely gay. Absolutely nothing it's wrong. It's that he's a hypocrite because he hunted down gay people. That's what the problem is, the hypocrisy. Right, but like think about the pain of not being able to be open with who you are and the pain that that, I mean, like 
I don't want to get like too into like a weird space about it, but like, I think especially in the realm of like homosexuality and like the LGBTQ world, like a lot of what we're seeing today are people who are just saying, I'm in pain and I want to be able to live my life feeling comfortable in my own skin without judgment. And when you don't give people that ability to do that, you know, some people who, I don't know, maybe have personality disorders or just some people who find an opportunity or whatever will like the persecuted will persecute. Right. And, you know, so in the end, like what if J Edgar Hoover had the freedom to just be himself, like who could have lived a life where he could have been J Edgar Hoover as history sees him, but also been a gay man or a man who liked to wear dresses and nobody would have had a comment on that you know like how much of what he did that was really shitty would have really happened if he was given the opportunity to be comfortable in his own skin i think it's a little bit more than that he uh it wasn't just the gay stuff and the communism stuff he just yeah. he was a person that and he might have still been a piece of shit i'm just saying but like how much it's hard to like hate on other people when you find your own center. I just think it's a problem with putting someone with that much power. You know, I wouldn't want to be president if it was ever offered up to me, mostly because I'd be like JFK and then they shoot me right in the head on air. Um, but I think it's just because you get put in a position of power and we see that with like every president that ends up having a bad scandal. I mean, I think the only way a person we ever really talk about that was good was because they were taken out early. Like JFK had some things and there's still a lot left to see what was going on, but I'm not a a huge fanboy like where i'll defend every single thing that happens and deny every other possibility that there was out there but hoover was in charge of the fbi and wiretapping congressmen there's a really eerie video of hale boggs that you can watch and he's from the house unselect committee on and it was about investigating corruption in the government and he goes hoover's wiretapping congressmen he's mail intercepting people he's doing all this type of stuff and the guy literally goes what's your evidence on that and this is in 71 he goes, it sounds like a conspiracy. Then in 74 and all this, we get all the information about he was doing everything that the guy said he was doing. And nobody believed him because Hoover had a PR campaign that was better than anybody. He had Hoover never does wrong. He's killing all he's taking down all these bad guys. And then there was an opposite one from the public that was created. It was the Hoover God myth and the Hoover devil myth, which kind of like and it's like, I mean, he was in a position where. Why, if you had every information, wiretap all this on everybody you could possibly think of, there's no way that doesn't lead bad. That's just like nobody should have that power. Right. But like that's the chicken and the egg. Like what leads to that need for power? Right. Like what know. leads to that need for power? I think because that's in all of us. I, I don't. I think if you could have any blackmail you want on any single person you want, after a while, it would be like opening up Pandora's box. Like how long? Give a, tell a kid not to touch something. I mean, something. On, a, on a petty level, sure. I would right? do it 100%. Like, like There's if, no way. If I could find the deep, dark secrets of like that girl in high school that I'm was really you. shitty to me, yeah. sure. And I'd Catherine. be texting, her name's texting Catherine. screenshot. Uh, no, <laughs> I, don't, I don't even know if there was a girl that I really was ever like, oh, she shitty. Give her a name and describe her to me. I need a face for the example to work. But like, she's hypothetical <laughs> because I pretty much told everyone to go fuck themselves in high school and I could not care less. Good so- time. Um, but like, 
imagine that like there's someone that you just have a petty hatred for and you can find out all their deep dark secrets like I would absolutely be screenshotting that to my friends and being like look at this bitch because that's what I do when I go on social media and I don't like somebody is like they they share something and I instantly I'm like she sucks bro because that's what we do on social media that's like 90% of why we're there and but like if it was like something that could damage her life or or really just hurt her for being out there I could never do that because I would never want that done to me, you know, and just, just the mere fact that like, I'm not like, I'm a petty person and I'm not always a nice person, but I'm not a bad person. You know, like I'm not a morally corrupt person. You know, my value system tells me that being, doing that to somebody says more about me than any information I'll ever put out about them. You know, but like J. Edgar Hoover's value system didn't have that because J. Edgar Hoover didn't have a shit ton of therapy. J. Edgar Hoover didn't have the ability to live a life where he felt comfortable at being open about who he was, where I have the freedom to do that. Like, even when people look at me like I'm strange or really shit on me for being who I am, I still go, I don't give a shit and I keep doing what I want to do. You know, but just remember the gay thing is a conspiracy. That's not that hasn't been verified at all as much as people believe that it is true. And there's plenty of evidence. And trust me, I got the f- fucking Clyde Tolson employee report one out of all the FBI agents out of his whole career. He says, excellent, very attentive to my needs. If you believe he's gay with Clyde Tolson, you can run with that as much as you want. And I got the photos of him in a dress, but technically from other historians that defend Hoover, it has not been verified and it's just a conspiracy. And, and, and I mean, I'm speaking hypothetically here anyways of like, but it does speak to like a larger conversation of, you know, assume that we had evidence that he was in fact gay. First of all, it wouldn't matter. Right. Cause Jack people- Anderson's quotes, pretty damn revealing, man. He goes into specifics about him and Clyde Tolson going to a restaurant and the types of orders they would eat. And then the weird thing Clyde Tolson would do is on Tuesdays, he'd get bean soup and put a dollop of ketchup in his. That's how specific this guy went into his yeah. detail. So I believe that. That guy's like, damn, man, that's a weird thing. But they did do. live together, right? No, they just visited each other's house basically every single day. They would rotate. Um, Clyde Tolson would have Hoover pull up behind him in a bulletproof limousine and pick him up, and they'd go to this rib room or something like that. From Jack Anderson's quote on live television, he said this. And, uh, he only knew this because he had reporters that were digging through Hoover's trash to the point where Hoover stopped putting his cans out. And Hoover didn't – He people – there's FBI documents of people saying, do you want us to deal with Jack Anderson? And Hoover said, no, it's fine. But he had a lot of people defending him, and there's people that appreciated Hoover, and there was a lot of people that were scared of him. Yeah, but I, I feel like that one aspect of it, like when, pe- when you're saying like people defended him, like uh, – like it's the one thing that I don't think needs defending because if we were to find out today that Hoover was in fact a gay man and like, okay, Mel Brooks and Carl Reiner are at each other's houses or were at each other's houses every day before Carl Reiner passed. Do I think that they're gay? No, but those rumors just aren't there. But if someone were to tell me that Mel Brooks and Carl Reiner had a romantic relationship with each other, I'd be like, good for them i don't i want that baby i'll tell you that much i want that baby. yeah yeah like i don't i don't care the gay thing the gay thing is not what it is i mean even wiretapping that sounds so normal now we got cell phones in our pockets whenever they want to wiretap so it's it's normalized 
but the, it's it, it was the hunting down of communists and like i mean the butcher of fred hampton i mean that's chicago police's fault as well too but 126 shots fired into his house and the police call that justified and there was no shots fired from the black panthers except one accidental shot i mean that's where did they get the file the chicago police to the plans to fred hampton's house well O'Neill, the guy that snuck into the Black Panther parties, part of COINTELPRO, that's a part of FBI. So, I mean, his hunting down for black people, his hunting down for, I mean, he also went into. Yeah, he was a piece of shit. Like, I mean, whoever's listening to this in the government, like, he was a piece of shit. Like, let's be clear. You know, I gotta say the government's listening. I hope they're not. (laughs) Whoever's, I don't care. I don't want my bricks to go out on a high bridge. I love when people are like, oh, my God, the government listens to everything we do. I'm like, so I wish what? that's the best way to die is by the government. A hundred percent. There's a dude in the Kennedy assassination. He died of a throat chop. I want that. Just give me that, please. Like the government listens in. If they're listening in, they're hearing, well, this conversation, which they're like, probably like neither of us really know any like all the stuff that we know, think we know, we know nothing compared to like what they actually know so they're like these idiots but then what they hear me telling my dog to go lay down and the golden girls in the background like you watch the i'm golden the girls? least of religiously yes okay like i'm the most uninteresting person on a You're day-to-day not. like stop saying that on a day-to-day basis I, like there's nothing here if you weren't interesting i wouldn't have you back on my show would i well thank you i appreciate that I but i guarantee you. you the government the guy listening in on me from the nsa is sleeping at his desk about 95 percent of the time because i just don't God. have anything to add can you imagine that them him just being like she's watching the golden girls again Does she <laughs> watch anything other than fucking oh seinfeld <laughs> oh okay Oh cool, shit! I would, I would, I would have them investigate you immediately if you're watching Seinfeld. I hate that show. I'm a Seinfeld. I love that show. I hate Jerry Seinfeld. It's his voice. I think generationally, Seinfeld does not land with younger people uh, it, because like younger the bass. the bass in the beginning. I would have that as a doorbell. Boom, 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 boom. You know why? Because <laughs> here's what I'm going to say. Like, I'm going to be the one Gen Xer that is like, you guys are nice. Like. Gen Z or whatever generation you're part of, like younger people, you guys are nice people. You were raised to be nice people. I'm trying. And Seinfeld is for my generation of just general assholes where like we are not nice and we take pride in that. (laughs) Like, and so it doesn't speak to your generation because you're nice people. Like, like I don't really know people from like the ages of like i know my nephews are like 16 and 18 so like their generation like they don't they're not devious they don't do anything bad you know like i mean they're dumbasses but like that's that age you know like i mean i think i'm still a dumbass and i'm in my 40s but like you you guys are the generation of just nice kid you know like i have a big problem with my generation why i just think they're they're too emotionally charged i get for the right reasons but there's a lot of things like once i started getting into art again i start seeing people throw paint on a painting i'm like what the fuck are we doing here we can do anything you could go to the people that are making these establishments and these laws for us we can go and get real change going on but then i'm like what does a painting do 
I mean, that upsets me just as a, from an artist perspective. I'm like, shit, somebody did that to the, not the Mona Lisa. Cause that's well guarded. But if it was like a real Leonardo da Vinci, like I, there was a person that found a sketch of a rough, uh, it's a painting, but underneath the layer was a sketch of Leonardo da Vinci. Someone had copied and finished the rest of it. Cause he was known as an unfinished artist. He's probably one of my favorite heroes, but he was known as an, unf they finished the, the king rest of it. ADHD. Yeah. <laughs> But they painted over it multiple times. So this painting, once they revealed all, all under all these layers, was an actual sketch from Leonardo da Vinci's worth like billions of dollars. And it's just like, yeah. I mean, if that was sitting in an art room somewhere and someone threw paint on it, I mean, I don't accept that. I mean, I get the whole climate. Yeah, no, and all you should that, but... you should get punched out. Yeah. So I just get I like my generation. Like, there's plenty of people, and even my nephews about. It. I'm like, guys, you're charged about something, but you don't know the full statistics about what you're charged about. The climate stuff cracks me up because that scares me. Listen, guys. I don't. I don't think we need to be like destroying. Like, I don't think we need to be. I think we should always be mindful of what we're doing to 100%. our our environment, right? But I think it's so funny that people are like, if we don't do something, the planet, the planet's not going to die. It is not going to die. It will be fine. It survived for trillions of years before us. It'll survive for trillions of years after us. And we have nothing to do with that, right? It will eventually eliminate us to find like homeostasis again, because the planet will eventually go, fuck these people <laughs> and we're done. But at the end of the day, and I said this to a friend of mine recently, and she's just like, what the hell? Um, you know, in the end, the sun's gonna die anyways. You know, like, and I think the finality, like the inability for people to understand the finality of the world that we live in and, and the universe that we live in is like, we are only alive because the sun is a star and the star is exploding. And we have sunlight every day because the sun is actively exploding in this very moment. And eventually it will blow up and die because that's what happens to stars. And we are the casualty of that. Or Earth will be the casualty. We won't be the casualty of that because we'll be long gone anyways. But Earth will be the casualty of that. So in the end, people who get so fired up about this shit aren't going to last anyways. It's not meant to last. Like entropy dictates that nothing is meant to last. So have a good time. Don't be an asshole. And recycle. I think it's really there's there's my life advice. I'm I just solved everyone's problems. <laughs> I find myself like I'm not would say I'm not an activist at all, but I I definitely I I appreciate passion about a subject for sure. I just think that there's right ways to go about it. Like I mean, rioting and things of that sort. I think there's just a really smart way and really strategic way to do it because we still fall in the same loop where companies will change their photo to a rainbow flag with their logo in it. And then people still buy their stuff anyway. Like they're supporting us. Why don't you change your flag? I'm like, that's not what they're doing. They don't care about it at all. What they want is your money. And this is how they're going to get it. And it's like, I, I don't think that sounds crazy, but then some people think it's like crazy. I'm like, give credit to Chick-fil-A for doubling down on the fact that they're not going to do shit for you. I was like, they're being honest as a corporation. They're shitty, but they're being honest about it. D Disney doesn't care about any of that shit at all. They care about the money. But they know that it profits their sales when they include stuff in there. And I've had plenty of film I don't know. analysis people on here to talk about, yeah, Disney does do that for marketing tactics. It gets them more money when they include certain scenarios and stuff. Yeah. 
I mean, is it beneficial for Disney to be more inclusive? Of course it is, but it's beneficial for everybody to be more inclusive. Yeah. But I think the fact that they're, listen, I don't really follow the news or politics or anything, but the I've heard grumblings about like them and Rob DeSantis kind of being in like a, a slap fight with each other. And um, Oh, because he's trying to remove their tax exemption status, I think, and they don't like that. Well, no, it's because he's made so many horrible statements about the lgbtq the letter the alphabet community i'm never going to get all those letters this right. is what i don't get is like why do people care it's like you can only control what's in your purview your life like as long i'm like the dude abides like just let me fucking do what i want to do but, but he's he's actively trying to change laws he's actively trying to do like sh really shitty stuff and like dude just go take a nap like go mind your own fucking business you know but sorry, I swear a lot. I don't know if that's allowed. I think I've – what are you talking about? I've said it already too. You're good. All right. Um, but I, the little bit that I've seen, and I'm probably wrong, is that Disney has kind of come out against him and what he's saying, and they don't need to do that. They can just keep collecting a shit ton of money, you know? And so I think as much as most of what they're doing is beneficial to them financially and performative for sure in a lot of ways i think when it counts and they're kind of standing up against something that really matters like you got to give it to them you know and uh, like i respect that um i'll never I just, talk shit i just on, love disney like i'll never talk shit on disney or the ccp because those are two things i really am scared of and i know they'll come and kill me if i say something um, but i will say i give disney a lot of shit for one thing i watched a video of this guy going to disney world and getting on the rides and showing the ones that he can't fit on. And he's not even a big guy. He's a little overweight, but he was getting, he's like, go up, can't ride this ride. I guess next time can't ride this ride. Guess next time. And it was so sad where I was like, dude, oh my God, it's making my handshake. I'm so upset. Cause it's just but like, is it, but is it because most of those rides are kind of for children? No, the Harry Potter ride. Adults go to Disney. They serve beer there. At certain parks, I've heard. Listen, I want to go to Disney really badly. I haven't been since I was I want, Let's go. Because I, I have disposable income, and I Let's want go. to go live out my six-year-old fantasy. Right? Let's do it. I'll like, go with you. I'll go with you. Let's do it. I haven't been since I was seven, so. I haven't been since I was six. And, you know, I want to have lunch with the Disney princesses. I want to. Oh, shit. I don't want to do that. Yeah. like I, a person in a suit. Right, I know, but it doesn't matter because in that moment she's Cinderella to me, and I know that's weird because I'm an adult and I'm a like I don't I understand what I'm saying is strange, but I just want to go live out that childhood fantasy like one time, you know. Also, music parks are fun, so like why wouldn't I want to go? But you know, I just want to do it the way that like six year old Laney would have wanted it done, you know, if like. You had the disposable income and you had the ability to just do whatever the fuck you wanted. So that's what I want to do is go to Disney for that reason. And I love it. I don't understand people are like, I hate Disney. Shut up. The movies are fun. I do. I do hate Disney. Um, but that's just Shut because. Up. Look, I've read the Walt Disney file on the FBI website. I've been 800 pages into that thing, and it is pretty graphic when you start getting down to the. There's there's yeah. a lot of Walt um, Disney was not a great guy. Yeah, he's a bad dude, and he had a lot of emails or not emails, but met letters with J Edgar Hoover. Starts off really simple. We're gonna introduce 
Mickey Mouse and FBI in our cartoons so the kids can love the FBI. So it's a light bit of propaganda, not anything I, I would draw a line out or be mad at. When you get to the end of his file, it starts talking about how he's ratting out people that are striking up labor unions, wanting more pay, and he's calling them communists and having the FBI come in and basically take care of these communist people, either deport them, arrest them, ruin their lives, any of that type of stuff. Where I'm like, I don't support that at all. But if you want to live out your fantasy at Disney, I'm more than happy to go chew on some rock candy in the corner or yeah, something like that. Absolutely. Okay. Yeah, because I mean, I can like I can separate the band from the art. You know, and... I just want one of those people to punch me in the face. That's all I want because I get the biggest lawsuit happening. <sighs> They're not going to punch you in the face. Hey, no. man, you might be dressed up as Woody, but I bet you I, – I'm not going to say that's a dirty joke. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, but um, yeah, like I don't know. I think people are – we don't have any natural predators, and I think people are too bored. Well, we I are think that's really, really what it comes down to. We are really good at turning on each other very, very quickly, which is a big problem. But I think we'll be okay. Have you seen that show, The Traders? No, it's on Peacock. Well, that's probably why I haven't seen it. Who most people toss out a Netflix recommendation. You went straight to Peacock. I went straight to Peacock. Peacock's hidden gem. So they took um, half reality stars, half real people. And they put them in the house for like this murder mystery type thing. And you're, they're supposed to figure out who the traitors are. And you want to see like, like the human condition play out that there it is, you know, like how people just instantly like, like theorize, have conspiracies, turn on people, like, like people's like, like just general behavior. Like if you have a slightly like, if you're the kind of person that doesn't seem to like mesh with the group well enough, they instantly turn on you, you know, like that is just the human condition playing itself out and it does it so well. Did they do a celebrity version? Well, some of them are celebrities. They're reality stars, but Get OJ. I want to see that man go into a paranoia delusion and just freak Stop out on everybody. Stop giving that guy any airtime. I, I reach out to him three times every year. It's been four years. I reach out to him three times every year and still haven't gotten a reply from that man. Yeah, because he's busy playing golf, laughing about the fact that he got away with murder. Hey, literal I, murder. I just want to. I told him. I said, I just want to talk about the Naked Gun movies. That's all I want to talk about. <laughs> I can't believe I was watching that one day, and I was like, wow, who is this actor? And then it says O.J. Simpson. I'm like, that can't be the same O.J. Simpson. And then I look it up. I'm like, oh, my God. What happened to you, man? You used to be so cool. You want to you wanna see, like, you know how, like, life predicts reality or, like, art predicts reality? Go watch his um, appearance on SNL, like, in the 80s, 70s or 80s. What happened like him? a whole I forget what it is, but it literally is about him stabbing people. Damn. Did you see what uh when he did the interview and she was like, towards the last 20 minutes of the interview, um, OJ, uh, you know, I asked him a couple of hard questions and afterwards I'm in my dressing room and he thought he would do something that was more of a what he'd call a practical joke, but I didn't think it was funny at all. And then it's like him in the interview, and she's like, So why'd you kill those people? And he's like, I didn't. I didn't. And he says and like looks right at the camera. And then it shows the dressing room, and she opens up the dressing room door, and he's got a knife, and he's got it in his hand. He goes, dun, 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 dun. he makes a noise with his mouth, and he starts laughing. And then he looks at the camera like that, and it zooms in on his eyes. And I was just like dying laughing. I was like, the man's got a sense of humor. 
He's got no, a sense he doesn't. Of yes, he, he has does. psychopathy. Uh, I know, probably, but I mean, he just made a statement recently about the Murdoch trials. He started going in on that, and that's a weird thing about our culture too. When did we start glorifying like murder stuff? Like everybody got really interested in Jeffrey Dahmer, and I think it just shows a bad part about our society. Yeah, the true crime stuff. I can. So I do watch one particular person on YouTube who does. She does a murder mystery makeup. She's uh, her name's Bailey Sarian. She's lovely. She's give her a shout out. Funny. I'll talk to her if you want. Yeah, yeah. I mean, she's got six million followers. She doesn't need me to give her a shout out. But like, are you saying she's unreachable? Is that a challenge? She did like one of my fa- my Instagram comments once. So oh my, I, OJ liked one of my comments. I was happy about it. Yeah, yeah. But I mean. She's just cool, like, and she does her makeup and talks about like true crime stuff, you know. But I like the way she does it because it's she doesn't get too, she doesn't derive like I listened to a couple true crime podcasts over the years and like they derive pleasure from talking about the worst parts of it. And I'm like, no, it's not like it. it, There's an ick factor to true crime that I don't like, you know. Like I like watching this girl because she's doing her makeup she's you know making funny quips about it but at the end she's like this is really disgusting you know and like you can see like she struggles to like talk around certain things so she doesn't make it too so she's not glorifying like the worst parts of it but people really get off on that glorification of the shittiest parts of these people i think it was imprinted in in my generation especially um and this is just my own speculation. I talked to a guy named Peter Elkind. He was an investigative journalist, but he wrote a book about Janine Jones. Have you ever heard that name before? She's called the Angel of Death. And the reason why she was is she killed up to what they speculate, 60 babies. But when he was telling me about interviewing her, and she was like, yeah, she offered me food. I was there for like eight hours. I was like, you didn't accept it, did you? He was like, hell no, I didn't accept it. I was like, good, 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 because you know she probably poisoned it. Um, that was the joke. I had to explain it so people got it. Uh-huh. Uh, but no, he started talking. It made me realize when he started talking about it was like that's why like whenever I was going to the doctors, and I stopped going to the doctors after I was like five, but – my mom would always be in the room. My dad would always be in the room. They would make sure that they never left the room. And I was like, oh, because during the time they played this on there. So there's probably a lot of kids that grew up with that kind of upbringing. And you start realizing like, yeah, that's why murder documentaries and all this stuff is interesting is because a lot of what was playing on television when I was growing up, a lot of news reports about a missing child, about a kid that got picked up in a van, got all this type of stuff that started going on. So it's like, there's a fascination for it for my generation because it's not necessarily nostalgia, but it's just something that was around them at a very little and impressionable time for me, at least, where it was like, yeah, I mean, I get interested in learning about that type of stuff. I just can't deal with how graphic a lot of it gets. And now it's like it's all over TV now. Everything is true crime, mysteries or something like that, where it's like person's head chopped off and thrown in a basement. It's like, why? It's like, what? what's the point of that? Yeah. Yeah, I mean, when I grew up in the 80s, like, kidnappings were a very real thing, you know, like, every child was, like, taught about how not to talk, like, I don't know, do they still teach kids to not talk to strangers? No. Like, why? (laughs) I don't know, because at this point, there's cameras everywhere, you'd be kind of screwed if you're a kidnapper. Not really, because it only the kid the time, would have you up on social media in like five seconds flat if you try to grab them. By the time they find your dead body, or like the footage to find, you're you're done. You're dead. You're already gone. You know. But yeah, I mean, 
kids used to get kidnapped like all the fucking time in the 80s it was weird the black phone, you know I but think... there was also there was no i mean it was we were all unsupervised all the time you know and now like you don't see a kid without their parent like hovering around them and i'm like you know i don't know it like we grew up with a lot of weird realities I, or at least i did like very weird realities about like anyone can come like kidnap you and like kill you and you're like i'm six i don't know that i need to know that but but also it's helped keep me safe my whole life because i can pretty much go anywhere in the world and i have an awareness that a lot of people don't because that's the message i received when i was young you know and but yeah like there was everyone was like in the 1980s like everyone was just trying to kill kids and I don't know. I don't know that I like now being an adult and not really liking kids. I'm like, I don't know that I blame them. But. I think that's, I think that's still there today. It's just probably not as reported as much as it was back in the day. Um, there's, I see missing stuff all the time about kids and it's just cause a guy that I know who's big into like just government stuff, but he's always constantly sharing dog posts of a missing dog or, you know, con we know what I do see a lot of this generation. I don't know what it is or just around this time period today. People dumping their fucking dogs in the middle of like a forest. What is up with that? Oh, that that that's always been the case. Yeah. Why? Just go somewhere. That's what fire departments are for. Yeah, people treat dogs like objects. So when they're sick of the dog, they don't have any emotional or like any moral connection to the fact that they can just like dump the dog. And what the hell's up with the SPCA just putting down dogs because if, if they're there for a long period of time? Um, the MSPCA is – I there's a lot of things you do that I disagree with in general. but Sarah McLaughlin, stop putting her on those damn commercials. Right? <laughs> Not her fault. But no, I, I mean, listen, euthanasia for dogs is sad, but it's a, it's a real reality. Like, not – if you – if they get a dog that has severe aggression, that is, and they don't necessarily have the resources to fix that, so that dog can be adopted out. If they, so my my Chihuahua, he passed away last year, but he was like probably twenty when he passed. But I adopted him, and he was super fear aggressive, and uh, he bit everybody, me, everybody, and um. But because he was a smaller dog and because it was fear aggression, when a they were able to reach out to a rescue and say, can you work with this dog? And I think they do try to do that a bit where they reach out to rescues who might have more of an ability to work with animals to kind of bring them back. But then there's just certain dogs based on their size and the level of aggression that they have that they're just like, it's too dangerous to assume that this can be trained out of them. You know, and it's not the dog's fault, but it's also you can't take the risk that that dog isn't going to, you know, attack a child or or really hurt somebody someday, you know, and it's an unfortunate reality in life. But it is, you know, I think. We anthropomorphize dogs so much. I mean, the amount of times that people are like, oh, my dog doesn't like that. I'm like, he's a dog, you know, or like. When I got Ray and I really had to fix that aggression in him, really the like the only thing I could do is like pin him and like kind of do that like dominance thing, which is really what dogs understand, right? They're physical animals and they they have a pack order. So, you know, I 
the guy, the dog whisperer guy, uh, Caesar Milan, like I read his book and it was probably the thing that my dog went from hating everyone, trying to bite everyone he came into contact with to like jumping in people's laps, you know, and like being the sweetest, friendliest animal you'd ever meet. And he still had moments with other dogs where he would kind of like get his hair up, but not much, you know, and I had to do that. And a lot of times people would think I was being really extreme in my methods, but I was like, the, my choices are, I seem extreme in my methods or this dog gets put down because eventually he bites someone who reports him, you know? See, that's and, not my type of thinking. Like I always hated it. Like I, I, we had a, my, let's say my, I call her my aunt, but she's a, a close friend of my parents' mother. And she used to babysit me all the time when I was real little. And uh, five, six years ago, she, she, uh, their dog happened to terrier, Jack Russell Terrier, happened to bit one of my little nephews or my little cousin, whatever you want to say, um, bit him right in like the face, and they put him down. And I was like, wait a second, what, what are we talking about here? Like, I got, I bit a dog, my dog, in the ear because that's what they said to do. If your dog bites you, you bite him in the ear. That dog bit me in the fucking face harder than I think anybody. I think I still got a scar like on the, on my nose, but it looks like I had a nose piercing or something, but bit me. And I was like, damn right. I deserve the shit out of that. I shouldn't have bit the dog in the ear and listened to what the damn Alaskan Malamutes uh, documentary I was watching at the time was. I was a little child, but I never understood that. Like a dog bites you, you punish the I dog. Think sure, a, but yeah. I think isolated incidents are isolated. Like people don't teach their children how to be around dogs. And then the dog reacts. Because they have like a little human like in their face, like what a dog perceives as aggression, because that's how they understand the world, you know, and yeah, like one isolated incident, I probably like do some real like retraining, but putting a dog down for one thing, but this was like repeated incidents for his life, you know, so it really would have taken like one bad incident to where I would have been forced to put him down, you know, it wouldn't have been my choice. But there were many times, especially in the beginning, where I would ask people who kind of were in that, like the dog training world and say like, am I like, is it a reality that I would need to put him down? Like I like, because it yeah, was- but we don't put old people, we don't put old people down when they bite you. I've never been bitten by an old I've person. I've been bitten multiple times. Go to a retirement home, try to feed somebody tapioca pudding. It'll bite you real quick. <laughs> yeah. But what I'm saying is like, like that's the best part for a, them is you just take their teeth out and they're good. Right. But yeah, like it's a real reality that like at the end of the day, I had to be, I had to be super realistic about it, you know, and I had to take it very seriously. And I don't think enough people take it seriously. You know, I think people are like, oh, you, you don't want to like, you know, he doesn't like people. And I'm like, oh, then why is he in public? <laughs> like, he shouldn't be in public until he likes That's people. Point. You know, I kind of, I would apply that to people as well, too. You know, if you don't like people, probably don't be in public. That's why I don't leave my house. Look, I, as much as I conversate, I'm not a very social guy when it comes. I mean, I try to be. I'm like this in real life, but I really like go home. Do I do. I, I'm so private with so much of my stuff, even though I put a lot of it on air. I just, when it comes to things I like to do, I just, there's not a whole lot of people, you know, I have friends I can probably count on one hand that I could actually count on. And I think that's really all you need, but there's a lot of people, like even I see it now with my generation, I think it happened after the pandemic, but it was like a lot of people don't really 
leave the house a whole lot. They stick with their friends at their house and stuff. I know they're still going out and stuff like that. They have fun when they do it. I have fun when I do it, but there's not a whole lot of need for it. Like for me, more comfortability is like hanging out with a couple of friends at the house and hanging out, like just having some beers and eating some uh, Old Bay crabs or something like that is a lot better than, you know, going out to a party, spending 100 and 200 something dollars for what a good time or a good couple of hours. But then like what you're paying for it the next day when you have to look at your bank account. Yeah. And that is why I say your generation is just a better generation because my generation would be like, what? No party. Get crazy. <laughs> yeah, but don't you – that just made the 80s amazing though, and like the 90s were pretty okay too. Sure, but they were also like – Can we just take it back to when the couch was actually in the floor to where you had to step down into the couch? Those were great days. I would love to live in that right now. When was that? Remember, in like the seventies, where they had the furniture that was in the floor. You had to step down into it. Usually, they had a fresh oh. line of cocaine on the table waiting for you. Like, welcome home. I'm like, thank God. Yeah, the seventies had like a weird, like, yeah, they would do weird shit like that all the time. Houses um, now suck. I hate it. I like my house. I want a pool <laughs> in the basement. That's all I want. Um, you probably just, get more. I don't even want life. that. Yeah. Honestly, like the apartment I've moved into is quite a bit bigger than the one I was living in. And I didn't think it would be at first, but I'm like, like, I'm like, I need to get a network extender because from where it is to here, like it doesn't really catch that well. So I'm like, this house is huge and it's two bedroom. It's not even that big, but it's like, it's, um, I don't know how people live in like huge houses with pools and like 90 bedrooms. And I'm like, who cleans that? <laughs> 90. Isn't that what I'm trying to think of that one mansion that went, the guy bought a mansion. It was like the biggest house ever. And he ended up having to sell it because the property, it was like something million dollars a month or something like that. It was way too cost. I mean, look, if you got the money for it, it's like, I think well, a lot of rappers, like that's the problem with my generation. As soon as people get money, they start blowing it on something. And that's like, you got to save that stuff, man. You don't know when you're going to need it. Got a bad hip or something. You don't know what's going to happen in a year. Yeah. 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 I mean, I'm definitely not great at not spending money. I like stuff, but. Um, you got to treat yourself sometimes. Come on now. I treat myself a little bit more than I need to get a, get a little bit of Ben and Jerry's ice cream. That's it. That's how I treat myself, even though I haven't had ice cream in like 10 years. Yeah. But no, I just, I think it's funny when people are like, Oh, I want this. And I want that in my house. And I'm like, I just, I, I just want to like not hate where I live. Damn. You um, hate where you live. No, I love where I okay. live right now. I actually, for the last I don't know, 10 years or so, I've been living in a pretty like well-to-do area um and i hated every second of it because i am not like i grew up in a pretty like poor neighborhood and um you know like i have a pretty thick boston accent like most of the time and um like for me like there's that it's like i don't fit in i don't fit into like like the suburban white world. I just will never fit into that, you know? And cause I grew up in the city and I grew up the way that I grew up, you know? And like that world to me was so foreign. And when I lived in it, like I would go get a bagel and 
like people would just stare at me or like be actively rude to me or like one lady yelled at me for reasons I will never understand because she was on the outside of the place and I was on the inside of the place and she's like knocking on the window and like pointing at me and I was like am I supposed to go out and fight this lady like what, what is happening I was wearing shorts so you could see my tattoos like shorts and a short sleeve t-shirt if you can see my tattoos these people would like flip the fuck out I got a whole tattoo that goes up the side of my rib cage up up to right here yeah and I'd be standing next to a guy with full sleeves and they like they wouldn't react to him but like for me like like one time like some woman (laughs) pulled her husband closer I'm like don't want I don't need your dad bod guy like it's fine like well, because you had tattoos, they thought you were a problem. Uh, well, yeah, it makes like, you seem edgy. Obviously, a harlot. Yeah. Um, Look, but... you gotta stop selling drugs around here. This is a nice neighborhood. <laughs> right, and that's that's and so where I moved to is a very nice house, and the neighborhood is you know quiet and nice. But about like two blocks from here, there's like a boxing place, you know, and I don't care. Like this actually is more comfortable to me because it's more it's more city-ish and it's like the way that it's set up and it's, it's, you know, people are real here. People have problems here and people, you know, have you it ever feels more home. Have you ever challenged the notion of tattoos? It's kind of like, for me, it's like people look at a tattoo that has like a skull with fire coming out of their eyes. Like, Oh God, that person's just a brute. And then they look at, at go, if you have a tattoo of somebody that's memorable, be like, this is for someone that passed away that I care about. And they go, Oh my God, that's so sweet. It's like, there's a double standard. Like it's a fucking tattoo. It's still a, something on your skin. It's the exact same thing. Just has different meaning. Some people get tattoos because they like tattoos. Some people I'm getting, I'm going to try and get two tattoos, but. I got to get my grandmom's fingerprint on my arm and then my grandpa who passed away recently. I'm getting that on my other arm and I'm going to try and think of like a way to get it that matches them, like have their fingerprints, but at the same time, something like a tree roots and everything coming out of the fingerprint. And then something, but there's like, if I say that to anybody else, they'd be like, Oh, that's sweet. And that's this. And it doesn't mean anything now besides that, what it means to me. But then if it, if I get a skull with a magic hat on, people just freak out like, Oh, that's so drastic. I mean, look, a tattoo in your eyeballs is a bit aggressive. I will say that, but they're also, it's how person wants, you really care if they do the job effectively doesn't make sense i feel like at this point now i think now society is kind of evolving when you can have tattoos you don't have to roll them up so much when you're at a job interview the whole professional aspect of things everyone needs people right now there's no job out there there's nothing out there where people just go oh, you have tattoos i don't need you i'm like no you need job security because people don't give a shit about their jobs anymore for real i've been through 20 employees in the past three months at my facility and it's like because nobody cares. You make it hard on them. They can just back out of it and then go fine because everyone's hurting for people right now. Yeah. Well, it's also like traditionally tattoos, especially with like older people, tattoos were like, although like sailors, had, like the guys who fought in World War II had tattoos, you know, but for some reason it was considered like a bad person thing to do. But in the end, like it was when I was growing up, tattoos were really only associated with like people who were on the fringes or like a you're in a biker gang or yeah. you're yeah and you know i think you were I was on the same wavelength when, i got you yeah yeah but like i think i was seven when i was like i'm getting a tattoo <laughs> you know and i i i love i love art like i remember my mom one time was like why do you have to keep doing that to your skin and i'm like because it's art you know and i have a canvas and like how cool to be essentially an art gallery you know, 
And I have, sure, there are things there that are meaningful to me. There are things that are there that are literally just kind of a joke. You know, like I have a, uh, oh, this is the best story, actually. Um, so I went out to Denver. Uh, I have a friend who lives out in Denver. And I went out to visit her and we went and got tattoos while we were out there. And I don't know if you've ever been to Denver and sorry, people in Denver who might be listening to this, but that is some white people shit out there. Like, like, oh, holy hell. And like, I'm sitting in this place and everyone's walking in like to get Pinterest tattoos, basically. And Wait, I, I finished my tattoos. Yeah. Like, like girly, like, you know, the dandelion that turns into birds oh, okay. and, you know, like that sort of stuff. I thought it was like something like henna or something. I didn't know you actually meant the Pinterest like photos that you would find or something. Yeah, no. And so I, I got my tattoo and I'm now it's a hundred degrees that day. I'm in sh- cut off shorts and a tank top. And this girl walks in with her boyfriend or whoever he was. And she walks up to the tattoo artist and she goes, um, do you have time for a tattoo? And he's like, instantly pegged with her, like what she was going to be. And he goes, what do you want? And she's like, um, right here on my arm, like very small, very fine. I wanted to say, just be. And then she paused for effect because she expected him to be like, oh my God, that's so deep. And he was just like, it's $180. And I was like, good for you, dude. Like I saw your soul leave your body when she said it. So make that $180. And, um, and on our way back to my friend's house, I was telling them that story like, oh, and meanwhile, her like guy friend or whoever the hell he was sat down next to me and he goes, oh, you're getting a tattoo today? I go, no, I chickened out. And he goes, really? He goes, why did you chicken out? I go, I'm really afraid of needles. Meanwhile, I'm like <laughs> covered in tattoos. And he's like, oh, that's too bad. I'm like, are we really doing this right now? Like, where am I? And um. So I'm telling them this whole story and my friend says, uh, my sister got a be strong tattoo and it blew out and it just kind of looked like Ben Stiller. And I started laughing and I was like, I have the best tattoo idea now. So I went, I came home and like two days later, I went to a tattoo parlor and I got, I don't know if you can see it. It literally says just be Ben Stiller. (laughs) (laughs) um because it just made me laugh so like I was like that's my Pinterest tattoo and can I tell you maybe normal people don't get it but tattoo artists see it and they're like thank you (laughs) because when I went to get it the guy like I texted the guy what I wanted and I went in and I was like we're trying to pick fonts and stuff and he was like you know like yeah whatever you want blah 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 blah. and I go the Ben Stiller I think that needs to be lowercase right and he just looks at me and goes wait what and I go the Ben Stiller I think that needs to be lowercase and he goes I thought that was a typo and I'm like no that's real <laughs> and he's like holy crap this is my favorite tattoo today so like tattoo artists love that tattoo because it's making fun of that demographic of people getting tattoos nowadays that they're just like they're like I can't deal with you guys like you're listen you're paying my bills I'll tattoo whatever you want on you but like also do you you know Bo Burnham I yeah he has a song called white woman's Instagram have you ever seen that no you gotta watch it it's hilarious 
He's literally just singing about pe what people have. Like he's like a beach photo or a golden retriever with like a flower crown. And he's like going and he's doing it, but you got to watch it. His special inside was made during the pandemic about being locked down and all those tracks. Like, I mean, it's on Netflix. It's I ace work. I follow that kid since like the beginning of his career, but now my uncle's a tattoo artist and um, he likes the creative stuff. He likes the stuff where people come in. A lot of people get Maryland flag style stuff, but everything's Maryland flag related. And for me, like my brother's got one tattoo and then it went to like 50 different tattoos. And it's just like, I'm trying to get to, like, I'm trying to craft out this one for months now. And I'm still working on one from like two years ago. I'm still trying to figure out how to do it right. Cause if you get on your skin, plus I'm in the, the gym world. So like a big thing is like not getting tattoo art to cover up certain aspects that you might try and flex and things that you, we like looking at ourselves. I can't help it. I never take off a hoodie. So this is like the first time I ever only on my show, I wear shirts. So. Yeah. Um, yeah. I mean, I, I Would do. You call I me get a hipster? Most... No, I've been called a hipster. Cause they say I hate everything. I was like, I don't hate everything. They're like you hate Forrest Gump. I was like, I don't really like Forrest Gump that much. Like why? I'm like, cause if you kind of boil it down, I mean, the whole Jenny shit pisses me off so much. She ran that kid. Jenny. Yeah. Jenny. Oh yeah. Jenny sucked. Like she got AIDS and died good. <laughs> yeah, did that go on to force? Do you think? I don't think so. Okay. Also, they don't say she actually has AIDS, but they just kind of say she has some mysterious. Disease. They couldn't pay her any more money, so she had to leave and die through a mysterious window. Yeah, but like, also like, good, you were a shitty human, and you took advantage of this poor guy. I know, he probably he wasn't even so his kid. <laughs> when I look at it from like an older point of view, and I'm watching it now, I'm like, damn, that dude went through so much shit, and he still kept coming back. I was like, what a loyal guy. Yeah. Plus, I the mean, bullying think... stuff gets me like really bad. When I see that with a kid now, oh, God, that's like a big thing for me. I, I'll actually start tearing up a little bit when it comes to that stuff. I'm like, how many kids are being put in hard positions? Yeah. Yeah, no. I mean, it's a it's a sweet movie, ultimately, but like, it's definitely a tearjerker. Um, but I find myself getting emotional at films now. I started to realize my issue with I so Tom Hanks. I don't really like. I don't like Tom Hanks like, either. I like him right up until Forrest Gump, and then my my liking for him goes like I loved Big. I loved. What um oh, the Money Pit. I don't know if you've ever seen the Money Pit, but that is one of my favorite movies of all time. Um, but yeah, it he, like that '80s version of Tom Hanks was great. It's anything after that that like he just, I don't know. And now like as he's aging, he just looks more and more like a thumb, and I just I can't. Why a thumb? I don't know. He just like looks like a thumb. I think he. Like, looks, I looks like the Hanks. like the new movie, the Auto movie, looks pretty good. Um, mostly because it's like an old man, so he'd get a cat and he starts becoming warm to people. I think that I don't know. Maybe because I'm getting older, that it just seems a little bit more. I'm tired of all the murder stuff and all that. Like I still like watching it, but it's just like, give me something good. I'm a big documentary guy right now, but he's also one of those celebrities that keep making statements about stuff that I don't think they should be making statements about. Like Woody Harrelson did the same thing about the pandemic on the Tonight Show, and I was like, I don't want, I don't want my celebrities doing this type of stuff. This is not their world to do in. It's like we need to start kind of talking about like real stuff. Like I don't want to hear it through Terry Crews. I don't want to hear it through this. Not just even pandemic stuff, just anything political. I was like, just stay out of it. Just make the movies. That's all I care about. 
yeah, like I'm not, you're not famous for your intellectual point of view. <laughs> but Woody Harrelson, you know, his dad was on the grassy knoll, so they just got to accept it. His dad made a statement when he was arrested that he was the one that pulled the trigger on the grass. You know, nobody believes it, but it's just funny to me. Yeah, but also Woody Harrelson was the dumb guy in Cheers. So he was in Kingpin. Sit down. He was in Kingpin, but like ultimately his whole shtick is that he's kind of the dumb guy. So sit down. <laughs> what, what would you accept? Would you prefer to be intellectual and be known to be an intellectual or would you prefer to just stick to something skillful wise? Like I would think about with podcasting, I should have just picked up the music route like my other family members do. Would have been a thousand times easier. I wouldn't have to give my opinion on anything. Wouldn't even have to talk. I just play music and you would accept everybody from any background basically. Music is just one universally accepted. doesn't matter what your political views are. doesn't matter what this is. If you like the music, you're going to listen to it. But then there's being a podcaster, which is, the I would say, pretty difficult. Yeah, but it obviously feeds something in you, so you just keep doing it despite the difficulty. It's my quest for knowledge. So, yeah. I'm curious to what um, your thoughts are. What makes you tick, Laney? What makes you tick? Tell me about it. <laughs> yeah, I Socks like, and sandals, no. Right. right. I kind of like my current like position in the world where people do sort of think I'm dumb, and then I really start talking. Yeah, I mean, in the end... I'm really just a construction worker, right? And people um, historically, especially because of my ADHD, have always just kind of thought I wasn't that bright, even though there's so much evidence to the contrary. And I like that when I do start talking, people are like, holy crap, I had no idea. And I'm like, yeah, I like being underestimated because you know what? When people underestimate you, and I like, learned this as a kid because Adults didn't really think I was bright enough to catch on to stuff. So they would say way too much in front of me. And I learned that kind of letting people talk and letting people form their opinion of you as maybe not the smartest person in the room. Um, they tell you a lot of shit they shouldn't tell you. <laughs> you know. Ob observing. Yeah. Like someone that walks down a street and they notice that a car that's been sitting there for a couple of days and it's just odd. It's out of the normal of how it is. I mean, those observations are important, especially if you grew up in an area where it's not too safe as well, too. Like I was very observant as a kid. My parents never gave me restrictions, which is probably it can go good and it can go bad. Um, you kid, no restrictions. They could just be crazy. I lucky became balanced out where my dad was just like, you know, be home. I know you'll be home. So just. You know? Yeah, well, they trusted you. And then when bath salts come, came out, my dad was like, fucking stay inside, buddy. I'm just letting you know right now, that shit's nuts. I have never seen that in my entire life. And I was like, yeah, and I, this is right when Dead Island came out, the zombie video game. So I'm playing it. And he's like, do you hear this shit? I was like, bro, what are we talking about? He's like, stay inside the house, dude. I don't know what, what we're – my parents DJed, so they were never home. So you'd work all day, and then you DJ. So I was just like left to my own little – humble abode and that was just interesting as a kid i look back i was like damn I would, i'm gonna be i'm gonna be an involved parent for sure but i don't know how to not helicopter parent my kid starts talking about the political elites i'm like damn it gotta get them started early shit yeah i mean that like <laughs> kind of being left to your own devices by parents like that's kind of how we grew up in the 80s where it was like well you're fine you'll you'll figure it out but I think that makes such a better adult because like 
there are people your age who don't know how to use a can opener. There are people your age who don't know how to make a dentist appointment, not won't make a dentist appointment because they're just trying to avoid it. They don't know how to pick up the phone and say, I need an appointment for this. When can you fit me in? Like very simple human things because they can just, they don't know how to clean their house, you know, like, because kids aren't, I mean, I was like free maid service growing up. Right. Like if I didn't wake up on Saturday morning and start cleaning the house top to bottom, there was hell to pay, you know. So like that's the one thing that is a huge disservice to you guys is you're not taught those like parents think that they're being nice. But like you got to kind of let a kid fail and you got to kind of let a kid learn, you know, and if a kid is. How do you get to be 18 years old and not know how to clean a house? You know, how do you, or a toilet or, or like functional things, you know? And because it's like, it feeds these, like so many parents it's and a, I see that it's a problem. I, yeah. I don't see it necessarily in my, my friend group because my friend group are the type of parents that are like, I don't care about your feelings. Get in there, clean the toilet. Like, I don't care, you know, because they understand that like their children aren't their friends. Their children are being trained for life, you know, but it's a, I also see a lot of people who have children for their own egos to feed their own egos. And those are the children that like aren't being taught shit because they're only meant to be extensions of their parents. Yeah. The, a parent investment is one thing into a kid, like where their life failed, they want to try and make their kid do better, but you can't do that because the template's different. I mean, there's a whole other template out there. Like, for instance, like I, I went to college. I graduated college because someone said I wasn't college material. And I said, I'll prove you wrong. Um, I went and got my degree, but I hold it under all my other degrees, which is the Church of the Latter Saint Dude, you know, Dudism, the whole religion of that aspect of things. The Church of Bacon, I have my degrees above my college degree because I just don't think you need – I got more intelligence from the podcast than I did out of college. Um, you know, it gave me some skills of like, yeah, here's the academic part of things. But I think, you know, from this, I have friends that are now graduating with a master's degree, either being a doctor or something of that sort, where they're in so many miles of college debt that they're going to be paying off for a very long time. Yes, they have a good career, and it's probably going to set them on the right track. I took the harder route, and I just started getting paid for my podcast. So it's like now that I – and I didn't want to do that. I could have done it a long time ago, but I just run one ad now, and it gives me the revenue that I need to get. But I was trying to build up a career this way, not really as – like this is what I want to do for a living. I'm still going to have a job and shit. But to me, this was more interesting, and it enhances my own knowledge in the same aspect. Plus, I get to meet cool people like yourself, um, you know, form friendships as well too, which I thought was important. And um, that doesn't see any value in today's society, even though that's the that's the untapped really well, it is a tapped market right now, but that's also the best template where it would have been it wouldn't have been normalized back in the day because there wasn't this technology. But now there's an avenue for the online platform to get your revenue from. And now I'm realizing it's sensitive. I mean, getting a YouTube video flagged and down, and that's a strike in that type of situation. But I mean, that's our revenue aspect as well, too, which is why like I'm pro like free speech and pro like trying to open up the doors and i get the private company things but there's just too many weird things in the tech laws that bring into this example of like kids for instance there's a bill that was passed now kids can just without saying are you old enough to buy this type thing and give you all these password insert things kids can just buy things and there's no ramifications 
So a parent can't contact the company. Can you refund me this money? Nope, sorry. And this is because of a bill that was passed. So well, yeah, because ultimately it's a parent's responsibility, not a company's responsibility to monitor what they're like. Why is your child getting access to stuff? Well, I mean, a parent that works three jobs or something or two jobs or something, they give their kid a tablet just to shut them up. I mean, that's the world now as well, too. Parenting is now through a tablet. It is a society fault. It's a parent issue. But but there are parental controls there that you can put in. Like you can put in parental controls that don't allow them. Like they can purchase, they can download free stuff, but they can't purchase things there. You know, so. Some kids know how to get past it. I mean, if you see a kid trying a little kid play Minecraft video, they're building shit I could never even right. think about. Building. But then don't call the company and complain. Like I was about to say beat your kid, so I probably can't say that, but I just did. But like hold your child accountable, you know, like punish your child yeah. for doing something like for essentially stealing from you. Cause that way that's what your kid just did. And instead of holding your child accountable for being a little thief, you're going to call the company and be pissed off that the company allowed it in the first place. No, I you know, agree with you. And what lesson did your kid just learn? I agree with you. I'm just, I'm, there's a, there's a lot of things like with YouTube's an open door policy. So technically since they don't define their terms, they can find anything that they don't like and just take it out without any reaction. And then when you try and appeal the process, like I got denied immediately a minute after I go, you did not listen to the episode. Hundred percent, you didn't listen to it, and then I, I'm now contacting them right now about trying to decipher to get the video back up there, so I just can be able to post videos again. Yeah. And it's like, but they will the- allow you to take that video and re-edit it in some way no. that you can then put it up. YouTube just takes it down and they give you a strike. I have no, I can't even send you a link to the actual episode. They asked me to send them a link. I'm like, I can't even do that to you. It's, here's the episode number. They they used to on some platforms be able to let you edit certain things out, but they don't tell you anymore. They changed it to where they can just, it, and that's the thing. The hands of it is in people that just react differently to the video. So if they flag it for violence in this, the their bots go right after it and they just look for keywords where it's like well what's the context if we're talking about well you might want to edit out that beat your children thing that it's the thing they don't tell you that though what to edit out of it they're like i could edit out half that fucking episode it was about a fantasy scenario in an apocalypse where you end up having to a gun to your head basically someone wants you to suck their dick or you're getting shot and i'm like that's a funny scenario but if you don't know the context of it the ai is like this is horrible shit yeah i mean freedom of speech is incredibly important but um i also fully agree that in a private forum which essentially these are all private forums you know i don't just like you don't have any say when you walk into my house about how i live or how i decorate or any of that you know like you don't have any say of like what they hold valuable or not I so agree. if you don't like it you don't have like you don't well, have to that's here, that's the know? thing you can't flag a video from two years ago because it just now came up on your radar, then I would have not known what the mistake was. And if you don't classify what that mistake is, what stops? I follow their guidelines pretty restrictively. Peter McCullough, Pierre Corey, all these people that are big, you know, about the pandemic. It's just the thumbnail because their guidelines say that you can't talk about certain COVID stuff. And I accept that, but I knew that in advance. This stuff is like, I mean, if you take something out of context, you could take anything that we even said in this podcast about it. Yeah. My ear pod just died. That's fine. At least you're not getting annoyed with me yet. No, I'm just like it just died. Um, I don't know if I can do it without headphones, but we'll we'll see I how. Can it still goes. Hear you. Okay, good. Um, yeah, I don't know. Like people, my whole thing is like just much like your parents could get in your way of trying to accomplish something, even though they're not helping you at all. My whole thing is like 
it's I get it's the your platform, but it's a little bit bigger than that now. And it's now about stopping your success. There's plenty of people in the world that are stopping other people's successes either because they don't like what they have. We all have enemies out there. We all have people that would more than happy to see us fail than actually be successful. It's not a it's just about like, are you gonna really spend your time trying to interact with someone to stop their progress because you don't like them in general? And that's my issue. I'm gonna say this, right? Because essentially people who are making YouTube videos are their, um, it's their job, right? And at work, especially kind of in talking to other women in my industry, a lot of times they say things like, well, you know, the way that it is for women here, or I don't see any female leaders. Meanwhile, like I'll be the lead super, you know, <laughs> I'm like literally the leader of like an multi-million, like tens to hundreds of millions of dollars and I'm literally the one in charge of it and they're like there are no female leaders and I'm like well thank you for taking away my hard work right there you know but and I've said this before to them and I'll say it again and people don't like hearing it but I'm like this is a really difficult industry you enter construction is an incredibly difficult industry not just for women but for men as well I couldn't do it and my internet connection is unstable much like my life just be careful yeah, with just um, got that <laughs> just be careful with touching your desk because it shakes the computer oh sorry um but like it's a really difficult industry like we work a million hours it's a lot of stress and it, it it's gonna kill all of us like I'm gonna go to an early grave because of the job and career I chose but I say to them all the time and I say to the guys too I'm like you don't have to be here like it's your choice to be here. There are many other jobs that you can take. Maybe you won't get paid as much, but you might be happier and maybe you need to explore that, you know, but like, you don't have to be on YouTube. You choose to be on YouTube. So that choice means you have to live within their bounds, right? Just like I choose to be in construction and that choice means I have to live within the bounds of that, yeah. you know? And I'm not talking about like, actual bad acts like sexual harassment or like you know aggressive behavior or whatever that's different that's criminality i'm talking about like oh well i'm not being given opportunities that men who have been in the industry like twice as long as me and you know like or even as long as me but like i'm not like people will get mad that they're not given the opportunity i'm like well you haven't done anything to show that you deserve the opportunity yeah. I, have a, I mean, I have other platforms to make money off of, but it would be like if I gave you a construction job, but I never told you what the rules are. So then if you do something and it breaks one of the rules that I have in my head that I never told you about, then I could just be like, well, that's your first strike. And you're like, but what the fuck did I do? And then you go, okay, well, I accept the first strike because I know what it is now. And then you do something else that is not the same thing. And I go, that's the second strike. And you go, well, what the hell is that? Well, that's the policy guidelines. But that's what happens though, right? That's there are no rules in there's no HR in construction. There's no person that you can go to. Get your damn OSHA helmet on. There's safety regulations. Can I get some rules and regulations on how people treat me? No. Like if I've had years ago, I had a foreman who just did not like me. And I don't know, maybe he hated his wife. I don't know what it was, <laughs> but like whatever it was, he projected a lot of anger onto me. And one day I went into work and he's like, I'm laying you off today. I'm like, uh, why? And he's like, because I just can. And I'm like, all right. I didn't cry about it. I was just like, all right, well, that's life. The guys that I worked with got pissed. And one of them walked off the job with me because he was like, if she's out, I'm out. 
you know, because they saw that it was what it was, you know, but I wasn't like, oh, how dare you? No one protected me. No one gave me the rules. There are no rules there. You know, like I'm an employee at will. And if you don't like me on a personal level, you can fire me, you know, and you can't break laws to do that, but you don't have to like me, you know, and you can just say, well, she doesn't work hard enough. And that could be the only reason you have, but like, it, it just, there's an entitlement to thinking that YouTube owes you some, just like the whole like pandemic thing, the, the level of entitlement people had to like, well, the government should th- like insert whatever angle there, you know? And it's like, nobody owes you shit in this world. Like you, you gotta go do it. I know that much. It's just about defining what the terms are. I don't, I don't know I'm doing wrong unless you tell me I'm doing wrong. And that three strike policy is a bitch. Yeah. And I, and what you're saying, and I am being unfair because what you're saying is true. You're like, I just, can we have a, can we have a conversation about it? You know, like not necessarily like I shouldn't have to follow your rules, but can we have a conversation about it so I can understand in the future how to do this better? Take the video down if they want, but if they keep updating their guidelines without telling people, then what stops anything from just, it's just about, I mean, you can have any videos that could be taken down. I've seen way worse on YouTube where people are inciting violence, and I don't condone that at all, but them accusing me of doing that off of something that is taken way out of context without the whole full video being listened to. It's like, I'm not even getting a fair trial in this. And I believe in rights and I believe in a fair, at least if you're going to call me something, fucking point it out to me. So I know what it is. So I could be like, all right, shit, I did fuck up, but I'll admit to it if I did something completely bad, but I don't know. It's a sensitive subject right now, mostly because I think I give everybody a platform to be able to say their things. And I know exactly what things should not be put on YouTube because of their policy things. And I make sure that they don't. But at the same time, if you're going back into my old content and you're trying to find jokes that were cracked, I mean, stand-up comedian jokes, Dave Chappelle jokes. I had a dude try and understand cursing. He literally, his science academic field is cursing. I'm not posting his video on YouTube. It's not going to happen because he said words you cannot say. You can't say the C word. can't say another word that is a very derogative term. But he was just explaining it behind it. And I go, there's no way. There's no way. They'll take that right out of context. But I understand that. So I will not let that go up there. But, I mean, it would be like you did something in the past, and I just never let you forget about it. It's like, fuck, man. My brain already does that with middle yeah. school shit. Well, that's cancel culture, though. That's going away. I don't I, I don't accept cancel culture Because people all. people are sick of that shit. But did you see Jay? Uh, what's his God? Jay. Uh, oh my, oh, I gotta look up his name. Big Jay Okerson, big Jay Okerson's new special on YouTube. You gotta watch that. Oh my God. There's a guy who's too big and he broke one of the chairs and he goes, Hey man, why are you sitting on the floor? And the guy says something. He goes, the chair break. He goes and says something like, yeah. And he goes, and you're a big guy too. Oh fuck, man. You're living my biggest nightmare. He's a big guy too on stage talking about it. He goes, and I'm doing the worst thing possible, which is being the guy that points it out to a room full of people. So everyone starts staring at you. And he goes, can we get this guy a chair? He goes, how much are those chairs? And somebody in the background goes $30. And he goes, oh man, that's certainly going to hurt my budget. And he's like making the guy kind of, but he's messing with the guy. Their, their whole group is yeah, very he's trying to like make him feel better. Yeah. They got him another chair at least. 
And it was like part of the special to me. I've never seen that in a comedy special. It was just the most hilarious thing. But he also points out like there's a 40 year old woman there that's single and not married and all this type of stuff. And he's like trying to set her up with another person in the crowd. And she's like, oh, no, he's too young for me. He's like, he's 39. What do you mean? He's too young for you. He's like, what are you looking for a grandpa? I don't think we have them here. To me, his obviously his comedy is a bit abrasive, but I don't know. I found it funny as shit. Yeah, both my AirPods died now, so I hear it now. It's the volume changed. Yeah, so I'll try to mute myself when you're talking. But you're good. I don't know if I have. Any I don't other. think you'd have to mute yourself. I think you did fine. What's that? So you don't have to mute yourself. Okay. All right. Sorry. I know, like sometimes it echoes, so I I apologize. Um. They were charged. I don't. I don't. Well, know. We talked for almost. What's we're, that? We're going on almost three hours. So. Shit. Wow. Time okay. flies when you're talking shit. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> right. Um. Yeah. What was I gonna? Say? I forget what I was. Gonna I don't say. know. I was talking about a comedy special, but. Yeah. Um. I don't know. I just. No, I get it. You make strong points about the YouTube video being taken down. I understand. I'm yeah, just, and not just like YouTube, but I think it's just you this cared about idea that like, and I don't necessarily mean, I, there is a person that's in my head when I'm speaking and it's not you. It's, I, I know somebody who, I know a few somebodies, but one specific somebody who like has had a huge reaction to a lot of stuff over the past couple of years. And to the point where they felt the need to talk shit about me on Facebook, but like not actually be man enough to call me out directly and like about vaccine stuff, you know, and I like nothing will bring out like the, the Boston side of me more than people like just talking out of turn and like, but not having the balls to say it to my face. Like, I don't even care if you talk shit about me, but like at least say it like let let it be known so i know where we stand and i just called him out and i was like what are you doing like like first of all you're a fucking coward you can't even say it to me and secondly like what you're saying is stupid you know um but it's but that's the sort of person i'm speaking to like these people who are like how dare facebook monitor what i'm saying freedom of speech and i'm like freedom of speech does not apply here you know so stop getting on your soapbox because you sound ignorant you know and i think you're saying something very different which is you're not telling me what i've done wrong and you're not even like having a real conversation like you're not like having a back and forth with me to to find out how to either fix the issue or not repeat the problem you're just kind of like cutting me off at the pass and just being like well we don't like it you know and you're trying to make an honest effort to do the right thing and I think that's a very different conversation but I think a lot of people who say like oh YouTube like monitors things and whatever are saying it from the point of view of like how dare they silence my voice you know, and that comes from a really entitled place. Yeah. I mean, I, I've had two vaccine lawyers on who speak different things, one who's against and one who's for. 
And we had two different discussions. I told them both not going on YouTube. And they go, why? And he's like, even at the positive one, talking about all the positives and all that, says not going on YouTube. It's just not safe content. I know their guidelines. I know their policies. And this is not how we do this. So it goes to a different platform. It's their platform. You respect the decisions. I don't really complain about platforms and their power. I just complain about the issue with leaving it in an open door policy. It's what I come across with the CIA and the government, national security. What does that mean? You raided my buddy's house because of national security, and you're not going to pay for the damages you caused to his equipment. You ruined a person's life. Please define your terms of national security. But that's what happens. You get open door policies and everything. It's capitalism, too. You leave all these things open. There's no job security. There's no so many aspects that it leaks into. And it's my issue with like the government stuff is like with the JFK files. Now the government, after 60 years where they were supposed to put out the documents already, have now said we don't have to give them to you. What? Because she didn't think people were going to care for this long, and they still care. And then that's an issue with Robert Kennedy running for president. And I've never voted before, and I don't. I don't know if I would vote if he would. He be, he would be a candidate. I feel like the deep state would just take that scenario to be like, nope, dead people are going to vote for the other guy, not you, hundred um, percent. Sorry, I get a little bit conspiracy with that stuff. But when it comes to the government and real like issues like open door policies and national security, there is a problem. But I also understand the risk as well too. I mean, you can look at the Watergate trials and William Colby. They had two agents sitting there by William Colby saying, make sure he doesn't give too much. And you're like, oh, my God, conspiracy. No, but they go, we have people overseas, and if you give some information, you put their lives at risk, 100% on pro-national security in that aspect of things. But then I have a guy who's an ex-CIA agent on my show. His name is Vern Lyon, and you can look up his Leavenworth profile where he went to jail for 35 years and then just gets – you're free. I, I, his whole background, I mean, you Google him, it says his CIA credentials and everything. He's able to write memoirs about this, but it's the whole thing of plausible deniability. You get caught, the agencies can't have any contact with you. And it's like his life went down the shitter and it's all national security. And I was like, that's the issue is like, I want to, I want to stop people from getting hurt. You know what I mean? Like that, that's not, I mean, it's, it's, it, and I get it. There's plenty of bad actors out there that do shit on purpose to be a provocateur. And I don't support that, but there is like a real thing where like the public has to start sorting shit out through themselves and labeling critical thinking as conspiracy theories, as much as I've been labeled a conspiracy theorist for just looking at a document and being like, what does this mean? And they go, no, 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 can't do that. It's conspiracy talk. It's like, we can't have these types of discussions that are stigmatized in society anymore. It's getting really annoying. But a lot of conspiracies are not critical thought. But you talk to me. I'm not a conspiracy theorist. I'm pretty logical. I don't think you are at all. I think you're fascinated by it. And I think you potentially even troll people with it sometimes, but I don't get, I don't know that you really are, you're not like wearing a tinfoil hat. You're not like some conspiracy, you're not looking for lizard people. You know, you're not like the JFK conspiracy. Yeah. There's something to that. Like it's not a black and white thing and maybe we're meant to know it. Maybe we're not. And I don't know. Like, I just don't, have enough bandwidth to care about it to find out but um you know listen the Salem witch trials were the first cover-up in America so obviously you know essentially the first big conspiracy in America so obviously like I have you know people could essentially tell me that I'm a conspiracy theorist because I look at it but that's not really logical because I'm also just trying to look into history to understand it I just I stand in the boat even if they're an asshole. 
I feel like they should still have the right to be able to say, and it is right to the platform to be able to take them down for the things that they say. But I've noticed through the conversations I've had with people and even a buddy of mine who goes, every train derailment's on purpose. I'm like, no, it's not, dude. No, it's not. It's not on purpose, man. It's not on purpose. And he goes, every train derailment. I'm like, okay, people ride trains. He goes, oh shit, I didn't even think about that. I go, okay, okay, okay. All right, let's find the common ground here. He starts explaining things about supply chains. And there's an Ohio incident that actually the Guardian wrote an article about that the environmental agency is actually looking into that because there was they there's a chemical that spilled and they decided to torch the area to get rid of the chemical. And now people are being forced to evacuate out of their homes. There might be weight to what he's saying on that aspect of things, but he also goes a little bit too to the extreme because they realize that comedic effect applies to this type of thing and to me that's a really big disservice i mean it's a big disservice with like even the jfk stuff i mean plenty of people write books do plenty of stuff you got to buy my book to get this and i have a problem with that where i'm so invested at this point where i'm like i'm making a free film that has cost me money compared to what i'm going to probably be making out of it and i'm not going to be making anything so i actually care about what i'm talking about and doing but that's also Everyone's like, yeah, you should get a little bit of money for yourself. And I just kind of stand in the integrity aspect, which is like, no, I don't want anybody holding that over my head. You made this because you made that. No, 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 no. This is the public's information. And for me as a person, I believe that like we should have conversations with anybody. And there are assholes out there. I've met plenty of them. But at the same time, it's like I think people will sense the authenticity if you generally care about stuff and if you're generally a human being having that platform and or conversational style i would say i mean when we talk for three hours almost it's you're getting who we really are and we're just having a conversation we're not trying to hide anything this is all pre-recorded obviously but it's like you're there's there's no impulse to be i gotta gussy up for all this time and i see too much of that in society where everyone is like just putting on a different version of themselves and i don't know it just gets i don't know i'm getting frustrated by it but it gets me a little bit sick a little bit you know what i mean because you're just like shit you think you're friends with someone next thing you know it's like done they're talking shit about you on facebook i know fuck that's the worst spot to have it my grandparents see that shit yeah and i was like when that happened i was just like all right and the thing is is this is how i know i'm maturing it it bugged me because i you know it bugged me it just bummed me out because I was like, I didn't think that this was what our relationship was, but it didn't bug me in the sense of like, I don't like, I also was like, whatever, I don't really care that much. Yeah, but you're awesome. Like, I'm not even mad about it. I'm sure we'll run into each other like in the next year or so. And I'll just be like, what the fuck, dude? But like, it won't be a fight. It won't be anything. It'll just be like, don't do that. Like next time you do that. Don't say that. That's That'll get you flagged off YouTube. What's that? can't say that that'll get you flagged off youtube okay that's what i'm saying exactly what you just said is exactly what i said but i'm being charged for it's, it's apparently it's inciting violence which i didn't know about i gotta stop saying it because i all my anecdotes are like funny shit like that sorry I, listen there's got to be like a loophole for people from boston because like that's just how we talk that's what i'm saying i'm from close to baltimore so um close to baltimore we always use that type of language yeah, but like, all right, I'll, uh, I don't know. I can't think of like. You'll untie his shoelaces. Yeah. That I'll, might still I'll, be inciting violence because that I'll, does I'll, bring down anger. I'll step on your new shoes and scuff them up. Damn, just punch me in the face. Why don't you shit? <laughs> right? <laughs> right? Um, but no, it's just like, like, I will not tolerate that a second time effectively, you know? 
Um, but you're very independent, and I appreciate that because you kind of stand up for a lot of stuff. And if you don't, that's why I'm like, if you were a historian, you'd be like probably closest to the historian I'd want to talk to because you'd just be real about the shit. Like, this is what happened. This is this. There's no BS. There's no fancy story. There's no any of this type of stuff. Here's the information. I'm like, yes, that's all I want. But I feel like most historians are that, or like true academic is like academics are really just nerds, right? Like, like some of them. If you're if you're an academic, you're really just being like the nerdy person who's like sitting at home and being like, I, I just get so much joy out of this, and everyone else is like, all right, weirdo. Um, but like, there are people who, once again, their egos start to dictate how they're going to talk to other people. And, you know, they have an inferiority complex that it's like, well, I have to talk down to this person because I'm so intelligent and like, fuck off. That's called ivory tower syndrome with academics. Yeah. Yeah. And there is a lot of that in academia, but I also think, you know, I do know quite a few people in academia at this point who, they just want to share their knowledge because it's important to them, you know? And so if you're talking to someone who's calling themselves an academic and doesn't, doesn't get super excited about what they're talking about and is more focused on like talking down to you rather than just talking about their passion, then they're not really passionate about it, you know, because I know, like, I know people who are studying like some really cool and interesting things and they start talking and you're just like, you're not going to get a word in edgewise because they're taught like, you know, when people get super excited about stuff and they're just talking super fast and like, they're just like, you can see it, you know, that's most academics because like, what else, like, why are you spending all this time and money to do what you're doing? If it doesn't jazz you up like that, yeah. you know, if you're doing it to like feel superior to other people then your research probably sucks anyways because you're coming at it from the point of view of like well I just have to show people how I'm better you know and that's that's I'm not going to read that book I'm going to get four pages into that book and be like this is bullshit you know like this is like crap like any research you did was crafted on a bias that already existed before you even started writing you know, so what do I, like, I'm not going to get anything here. I might get it, like, read it as a what not to do book, but um, I'm certainly not going to read it as, like, informational and to, to build my own research upon, you know, if anything, I might just, like, build my research upon it to, like, knock their research over, because that is also, that's, like, that's the, uh, bitch slap of the academic world right you read something that someone wrote and you know it's bs and you're just like let me prove you wrong <laughs> you know let me show you why you're an idiot and they do it all the time you know and it's really funny because you see the spiciness like they'll be like well you know ward believe this but obviously they're wrong <laughs> it's just like super funny because you can see where they're like arguing with each other in written word but I don't know I just don't know many people who are truly in love with what they're researching and acting smug about it you know there's a I've, I've spoken to I mean I don't just do conspiracy stuff I I've talked to plenty of academics and stuff like that but I've, I've come across a lot and then I've also come across I think it's the fame once you start getting a lot of attention for the work that you do, you kind of start seeing like if you're getting interviews like every week or something like that, there's not really anything that's 
you know, some people feel like, okay, I've got to do this for like 50 minutes or an hour. It's like, I can give you 50. It's like, well, it's an hour or nothing. Like, I, I mean, I've had some of the really top people that I probably should have taken the chance, even if it was for 20 minutes and never did it because I just don't, I don't believe you can get anything out of 20 minutes. And I've had people that appreciate that, that have refused to do Fox news stuff because I give them a longer platform. They go, yeah, I was, I had a guy tell me <laughs> and it, the joke didn't land. Um, he goes, I was like, I was talking about JFK stuff. And he's like, last time I talked about this was when I was on Larry King. And I was like, shit, you ended up here. How the hell did that happen? And then I was waiting for the laugh and he just stared at me. And I was like, well, that didn't land. Uh, next subject, uh, on to the main thing. You might have been a little too truthful there. I was just joking with him. I mean, he knew. And then we, I mean, he's in my, involved in my film as well, too. But, um, academics like people that study fandom mark duff it's a good example he told me i denied doing fox i denied doing news because they put you in clips and i go that's a lot of people don't want to do news they don't want to do fox they don't want to do any of these types of things because they give them such a short amount of time to be able to explain some serious issues and it's like yeah if you really want to talk and say your thoughts and say your perspective you can look up any other show out there or any other interview with that person out there in the world and there's probably the same question that's been beat to them multiple times i give you something different I'm just trying to talk to the person so I can actually want to find out more about you and look into your stuff and see your work. I got to know who you are as a person. And if, you know, if you're on for like the fifth time, uh, that means I like you and hundred percent, you're a good person. Um, but there's, there's a lot of people out there that are trying to do something, but it's a, it's also a competitive world. And I'm not trying to be the best. I'm not trying to be the top. I don't think you're trying to be the best at anything or you're trying to be the top of anything. You're just trying to do something that you enjoy doing. And I mean, that should be a lot of people out there in the world, but there's not a lot of people that are out there wanting to do things that they enjoy doing. They just want to get ahead and they want to feel safe. And that's because a lot of people have parented and either ingrained into them that the world's tough and it's a shit place. It is. But at the same time, you got to also make it on your own and have fun with it as well, too. And if you got to take a shot, that just does not mean partying all the time. That's not what I mean by fun, but I mean by doing something that is a little bit of a risk, but hoping and knowing inside of yourself that's going to pay off. That's very important. I'm pro for that. Yeah. I, I mean, for me, like, I love what I do for work. It's very much a part of my identity. Um, but I loved school. I like, I love reading. I love, and I felt like, I remember I said this at work, which is probably not the right place to say it, but I, I was talking about re the research and I was like, you know, when I kind of started getting back to it, I was like, I just don't feel like work is cerebral enough for me. And the person I said it to like was kind of insulted. And I didn't mean it as I work with stupid people because I work with some really brilliant people. It's more just, it's not the same. You know, there's not the same level of, I'm executing, like at work, I'm executing something. Like I'm solve, problem solving and I'm executing something. But in research, I'm, it just feeds a different part of my brain, you know? And it, like, it felt like something was really missing for a very long time after I left school and join the workforce you know and for me like laying on the couch when I'm super tired and watching tv that's important and I need to do that but I get more fulfillment and I feel more at the end of the day when I lay my head on a pillow I feel like I've accomplished more and I've lived my life more correctly when I sat for a couple of hours and read you know and like 
looked at ideas and it's not about other people. Like I, people might never hear my ideas. Like I might never be able to put something together that gets out to the world, but it's, it feeds me and it feeds me in a way that like nothing else does. Well, damn Laney, I'm trying to spread your message. Jeez. I, I know you are. And Give I really appreciate it, but like, it's, you know what I'm saying? Like it might never be a large scale like my book will never be on the New York Times bestseller list. And maybe it's, I don't think it's meant to be. And I don't know that I really want it to be, you know, but if some friend I have is teaching a history class and uses like my research as a reading assignment, like that'd be awesome. You know, that'd be really cool. I'd be incredibly humbled by that, you know, but that's, I think that's the difference is like, I would be incredibly humbled by that. Oh, sorry, I just did that again. I would be humbled by that where most people would be like, mm, of course, like that's, you know, they would go to that thing. I get it. Like, and I respect that. that. I think that? that's, I, th I, said, I respect that. I think that's what I try and do too. There's a lot of people out there that, you know, they go for not really trying to make like a giant, the biggest impression possible, but just trying to make an impression that's going to last. You know, it's like people can remember your name or you could be the top celebrity in an instant and then be tossed right out of the spotlight. Or you could just leave something that's going to have a bit of an impact. You know, at least you know what progress and what track you want to make on it. But I consider your work. I mean, even the conversations we've had that haven't been a lot work related, but, you know, I think it's important for what you've done. Um, and you've given me enough. I mean, plenty of good times and laughs as well, too. Uh when it comes to the reason I said, don't bump your table is because the internet. Um, that's why I wasn't because it was messing up anything. I didn't want you thinking I was like putting you on a restriction or anything, but no, 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 no. Um, I just, I can't sit still. So like, I'm sorry. I am too. Every, yeah. Um, um, we've almost been talking three hours, so we've been more than happy to wrap it up. Um, I always enjoy talking with you. It's always a pleasure to have you on the show. Um, but seriously, you know, you do a lot of good work and I appreciate thank it. Thank you. I, I really I, appreciate it. And I so like do you. I mean, I think it's really cool that you just keep digging, you know, and wait till my film comes out. I got to send you a copy of it just so we can, you can give me an honest, brutal review about it. <laughs> I think it's going to be hilarious, but you know, I don't know. I've never, it's, it's a lot of work. I have 400 something hours of content that I have to pack into two and a half hours. And then I got to make a second take where there's five episodes that are an hour and a half a piece. Wait, so it's like, is it? Is it, it's not a comedy, but you said it was hilarious. Okay. Um, it would be kind of funny to like do the, the, like the comedy version of the JFK. Story. It's my personality, but I made it into yeah. a film. Yeah. So, so, so it'll have like, well, right, we'll talk about some of it off. Levity, air, I can't, I if can't you will. say a lot of this on air, but yeah, it's going to, it's not, it's, there's not going to be like how most documentaries are. I'm going to give you the factual information, but I'm not just going to info dump you the whole entire time. I told a lot of these people that are involved in this, I was like, yeah, I was like, I'd ask them a question and they'd be like, it's fucking nuts. I'm like, yes, that's what I want to see. I want to see an older man wearing a sailor's cap or baseball cap saying, if it's fucking nuts, I was like, that's what I want to see. Yes. Put that in my film. That is exactly what we need. I'm tired of the, and then there was this and there was this. No, be straight with it. We'll talk a little bit about this off air, but Lainey, where can people find your links? Um, You can right now, really the only thing I'm doing is Instagram. Uh, and I'm barely doing that. Uh, you can go to the witch academic on Instagram. I have a couple like moving vlogs that I need to edit and put up on YouTube. Um, 
but I haven't done anything on YouTube in like a year and there's really only like 10 videos up there. So it's not that interesting, but if you want to go check it out, it's also the witch academic on YouTube. Um, and yeah, you know, if you find me on social media and you want to drop a line, I'm happy to chat. You know, you can tell me all, all the stuff you disagree with, <laughs> but uh I'll link your links in the description. And also if you work on anything else, I can make sure I can get back and put it in there as well too. And yeah. I appreciate it. Yeah. Time. I haven't really been doing much like online with anything. I've just been kind of, you know, reading, but yeah, I mean, the witchacademic.com or yeah, there's the witchacademic.com. There's really nothing there. So like, don't, don't waste your time, but on Instagram, everything is the witch academic. So on Instagram or YouTube, if you want to check it out, you're more than welcome to. I'll link and, those all in the description. And thanks everybody for listening to this episode. Bye the blank.